accusés d'un vol qu'ils n'ont pas commis, n'ayant aucun moyen d'en faire la preuve, ils fuient sans cesse devant leurs poursuivants. Pour subsister, ils emploient leurs compétences. Quand la loi ne peut plus rien pour vous, il vous reste un recours, un seul, l'agence Tourisque. remember shit yeah, yeah but, but why would you bother remembering shit when we have the internet in front of us and now you guys have the internet in your ear holes because it is time for the rogue opinions podcast welcome listeners new and old young and old i don't know i lost the plot a little bit on that intro but ladies and gentlemen my name is jimmy baxter and i'm here with the other members of the a team the all risk agency as we like to be called here on the Rogue Opinion Podcast. Nathan Greenaway, buddy, how are you today? I'm good, man. Excellent. Scott McLeod also coming in from Scotland. Make your jokes right now. <laughs> I was going to say, for future reference, don't mention that you're already losing it. Just say you were pausing for dramatic effect. <laughs> yeah, man, because, because as everybody knows uh, that listens to us for a long time, we just sort of do this off the, off the cuff. And now for the new listeners... On the Nerdo Network, that get to hear us for the very first time, probably, we are Rogue Opinions, and uh, we do wrestling, we do, uh, we make movies and stuff sometimes. I mean, we're, we're billionaires over here, guys, and we are changing the game every single day. Um, and this is one of our grapple updates. We're going to get to the grapples, the sweaty, sweaty, humid grapples um, in a moment. But first... You know, we're just going to talk about some fun shit. And we were in the middle of a really fun conversation, so I decided to hit record. And uh, we're going to start just shooting the shit about that. So, Nathan, remind me, what in the fuck are we talking about again? Uh, Rainbow parties. Rainbow parties, shooting heroin into your dick, and just safe suds (laughs) all over the place. The the fucking people who have downloaded this for the first time are like, what the fuck is going on? You... I thought it was weird that you didn't include the biggest thing we usually talk about, or at least Nathan does, and that's CGI buttholes. Like that's the biggest topic of our usual, usual of our conversation. The that's coming up. That's coming up just before yeah, we get to all of it. Because <laughs> if if we can live in a world where we get a four-hour extended Snyder cut of Justice League, we have to hashtag release <sighs> the butthole of cats. I was think, I was thinking. Uh, I was actually going to do a poll closer to the time but i'm just going to throw it out here since we're shooting the shit about whether someone whether watching the snyder cut should be a punishment one day <laughs> but well, I think... not not like um not watch it and review it i mean they actually watch along it podcast. so about the same length of most of something to wrestle with most weeks like and i don't think yeah it'd be annoying to do like a watch on like for like four hours but like i don't know why you'd wait and do it to the Snyder cut because by all understanding it's maybe the better version of the film so why would you make them watch the better version of a film 
because it's four hours long and it's four hours long of a film you've already seen a worse version of um but but 80 percent of the shit that we saw in that theatrical cut is no longer going to be in the movie because Zack snyder was just like fuck joss whedon i'm gonna do what i want and we're yeah. gonna reshoot half this fucking movie from quarantine because i don't give a fuck and we're getting the movie i wanted yeah none of the um that fucking russian family that was just stuck in a house for the entire movie what the oh. fuck was that about? Oh, that was pure Joss Whedon. They are not in the Snyder Cut. These motherfuckers. Apparently, I'm well, furious. Well, there you go. I didn't realize. <laughs> <laughs> we all are, but like, seriously. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There's an improvement to it because that made no Yeah, they were sense. just there. They're, they're the, stupid, the stupidest people in all of cinema, like, staying there right up until the last minute when everything's fucking crumbling around you. You fucking idiot. <laughs> Uh, so quickly, before we continue on about rainbow parties and uh, asphyxiation and uh, all the other shit we were talking about in private, uh, <laughs> we're going to... It's just I'm been just... like, for Google is just going to, whoever like looks at the random searches on Google is just going to be like, why was there like a few hundred defined rainbow party? <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of like, Google, I, I love typing in random shit, like the starts of questions in Google to see what comes up. Yeah. Like... I was try- I was having a weird discussion with people, and randomly to Jerry came up, and I went to type in "Is to Jerry still wrestling?" So I typed in "Is to Jerry," and the second thing that comes up is "Is to Jerry still alive?" Yeah, they 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 do a series uh, on YouTube. I think Variety does it, where they get like celebrities in, and they give them the beginning of a Google search, and they tear away the paper, mm-hmm. and they answer yeah. those questions, and it's always like, "Is Kevin Smith still alive?" and he's he just goes, yeah, I'm fucking here, aren't I? Like, what? Like, what's going on? Uh, but to clarify real quick, sorry, Scott, but real quick to clarify, for those who are joining us uh, as their normal rotation of podcasts, welcome. Uh, we love you. Uh, to the new people, hi as well. Um, but yes, we are now part of the Nerdo Network. Uh, nothing will change. Uh, as you can see on your RS- our RSS feed, still say the sta- uh, stay the same. Um, our articles will still go out where they normally go out, but also we are going to be on the Nerdo Network once that is all finalized. Um, thankfully, uh, we have friends in high places at the Nerdo Network, and they have asked us to come aboard and do our normal shit, but for more people. So don't worry. Don't fret your cute little heads. If you're here joining us as usual, nothing is going to change. If you're brand new, welcome. We're, we... We hope this isn't the last time you spend a little time with us because <laughs> we have plenty of things to say about plenty of things. And let's start off with, have you guys ever been to a bubble party? Yes. Well, let's take care of that. We used to, I used to work at like a sports center that did like athletics and football and stuff there. And uh, so you'd have to work weekends, obviously, because of the events. You'd be like managing the events. So me and my friends there would end up going out on a Sunday uh, instead of, and it always used to be where I'm, Chelmsford in Essex, which is where I'm from. That would originally start out, that was gay night. So um, you'd get to go to this nightclub in the middle of a fucking bubble party with all these rainbows around you. It was literally a rainbow party, but without the, the the thing that google told you for those uh returning to the podcast again i would just like to say if you had uh nathan mentions where he's from on your bingo board in under 10 minutes uh make sure to check that off um ever mentioned that oh scott scott back me up here (laughs) 
Scott, back me the fuck up here. I'm just, fin- I'm just finishing my story. Oh, well, you know, you just throw it in. Hey, you know, in Essex, where I'm from. Oh, yeah. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. It's really literally, literally isn't. It literally isn't a big deal. Have you ever lost a friend uh, at a at a club or anything like during during a rainbow party or during a, a bubble party? Because I have. Uh, we were drinking Red Deaths um, at this gay bar in Philly. And uh, the bubbles all of a sudden, like the lights are fucking flickering all over the place. I'm like freshly hammered and the lights are going all of a sudden the whole room fills up with like bubbles and everybody's freaking out. There's like dance music on. And I turn around. My friends aren't there. And it was frightening. I thought I was in 30 days of night. Uh, There was just people everywhere that none of them I knew. Uh, I I thought it was 30 days of night. It's apparently a movie I don't remember very well. I don't remember bubbles in that movie. <laughs> uh, well, replace the bubbles. Okay, and I'm Josh Hartnett. Um, I, I, I've never, I can, I can say I've never done that. I have been left behind in a bar in a foreign country because everybody left without me and didn't realize where I was. Oh, that's just sad. Yeah, I. I and the podcast got sad. God damn it! Like, sorry, I just thought it random. Like, you talk about losing people. Like, I, I was in Amsterdam. And like I told my brother, I'm I'll be right back. And then I can't come back up the stairs, and everyone's gone. And like the bar was on like the corner, so like I went outside, and like you couldn't see what direction everybody went. <laughs> and then literally everybody was walking down a wee bit over down the street, and my brother just stopped, and we were like, "Where the fuck is Scott?" And he realized like I need to go back. If I come home without him, my mother will kill me. <laughs> So wait, they only made it down the block, like they didn't make it like well, all the way back. To... Well, they went, went down the block, round the corner, and along a bit. And like I, tri- I kept trying to ask the woman behind the bar where they went, and she didn't speak much English. And all she could say was, "I don't know." And like I was in the midst of calling before my brother came back, and then literally, yeah, I'm, we're coming around the corner. He grabs him by the arm and lifts my arm up and going, "Hey!" It's just like, "Hey, look, I found him." <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So, uh, Nathan, have you ever been left behind at a public place where you didn't remember where you were? Not that I can recall. Well, I mean, speaking of things that got left behind and forgot about, payback was like a week ago. Um, oh. And oh, and in this in this world of there are pay per views every fucking six days, um, we had. SummerSlam, which you can go back in the archives and listen to us create our own SummerSlam, which uh, pretty much better than what you got on the network. Not gonna not gonna toot our, our horns too hard, but uh, it's pretty damn pretty damn entertaining. Um, and then we had Payback, which uh, Nathan I fell asleep three times uh, trying to watch it, and I think a lot of it had to do with King Corbin um, because that was the match I made it to every time before I fell asleep. Uh, and then woke up like four hours later to like, like another pay per view from like forever ago, and I was just like, oh, I guess, I guess there's nothing really to it. <laughs> um, but the big story coming out of it really is uh, that we have new women's tag team champions, and the Roman Empire is re- once again reigning supreme. Uh, Scott, as the only person who made it through the pay per view, um, what what are some of the things that stood out to you from WWE's Payback 2020 from the Thunderdome? You really just mentioned them right there because, like, I, I agree with you. Like, the opening match for the US title was fine. 
and then the, the Big E match and then the Corb match were both like, why why am I watching SmackDown main events or in the middle of payback? It's like and like yeah, the Corb thing was was so like it making you really hard to get. So luckily with the women's match, it picked up from there. And like, I don't like that they fucking tease this afterwards. Like Cor- Riddle saying like, yeah, I can actually move on from Corbin. Like Corbin can just have a few that's a one and done and not fight the same person for six months. But uh, we we can't have nice things in 2020. So they took that away from us. But like, I loved the tag match. I like I loved how basically in one match they reminded you like that Cena basically is a bad like with that finish that finish alone. It was just great, and like they didn't tease the tension between Naya and Shayna nearly as much as they alleged to believe there would be. Well, because uh, from what I remember, what was it on Raw previous? They they were just taught like Shayna's Shayna says to her like, "Well, after we win the titles, you'll leave me alone." It's like, well, that's not how being a tag team champion works. You're obviously going to see more of each other if you are the tag champions. So why would you then want her to leave you alone? I mean, don't get me wrong. If I was in a tag team with Nia Jax, I would want her to leave me alone um, as much as humanly possible <laughs> uh, so and, she doesn't break a bone and, uh, in my body or something. And, and the, the goal of, of Nia, the unmitigated goal, the following night on Raw, to steal Team Hell knows I am the tag team champion shit. Like, no, they have that for you. Oh, no. <laughs> they, they really did that? They really rehashed... The, I'm the tag team champion. Well, no, they don't. They didn't both do it, but like Naya basically took credit for like basically them being the champions, even though Shayna did most of like the fucking work. And what's weird is like there were more tag team dissension between the Riot Squad on the pre-show than there was in this match. I think they thought well, we've got two women's tag matches, and both of them feature tag teams that don't quite. We're not quite sure if they'll get along, and we can only focus our energy on dissension in one of them. Ah, oh, fuck it. The pre-show match has got nothing going for it. <laughs> Nathan, you watched you watched a handful of uh, highlights. Yes. Uh, and from the highlights, could you gleam whether or not you were uh, you were enthralled by uh, Payback 2020 or not? Uh, um. No, I probably wasn't going to be. In... I'm glad I watched highlights. Is really what I'm going to say. I remember Apollo Crews attacking them at the end after the first match and being like, oh, that's weird. Uh, I don't remember Big E beating Sheamus, but I'm glad it happened. Uh, Matt Riddle v. King Corbin, I couldn't care any less about. Oh. Uh, the finish the, the finished to the tag match, as Scott's already said, was perfect. Like Anyone that was worried about Shayna Baszler, like, uh, they clearly had nothing for her for a while, so they just kept her off TV and kept her winning matches every now and then. But man, to to tap out Bailey and Sasha, like the biggest cash cows in WWE right now, arguably, uh, is pretty like outstanding. Uh, Nia Jax, I've got a quick question for you guys. Uh, if what is the biggest injury you are willing to accept Nia giving you? if it meant you could meet The Rock? Well, I mean, The Rock has COVID right now, so... Don't twist the question, Jimmy. The Rock is perfectly healthy and fine. Okay, so in this in this scenario, The Rock and it's, his family it's 2021. Don't have... Oh, and then the world is, like, fine again, right? Because that's obviously what's going to happen. Yeah, and the Rock, okay. is, the Rock is fine. 
What's the biggest injury you are willing to accept Nia Jax giving you if you then could meet The Rock? Well, you see, I don't think I would have much control over that because she would just throw some sort of unprotected sort of like punch at my face and kill me. So, I mean, unless I'm meeting The Rock at the pearly gates um, because I bruise like a peach, let alone shatter like a Ming vase. Um, so <laughs> if she could break Becky Lynch's face into 140 pieces, I'm sure I would shatter like glass. You just turn into Samuel L. Jackson from Glass. Yes, yes. Yeah. Scott, what about you? I don't know, man. I, I'm not much better. Like, <laughs> I had to work. I had a fractured wrist for three weeks because I, I ran down a corridor. I tripped on an uneven bit of carpet and landed on my right wrist. So, like, so I... You could, just, you could just take, like, a basic body slam. Yeah, because I'd probably... I fucking break half my ribs. Probably, I'm so weak. <laughs> like, like I, I would, I would be, I would say I would take like a leg drop. But I'd probably get like a Mabel Undertaker situation and have to wear that fucking Phantom of the Opera mask Undertaker to wear for a while. I think I'd let her punch me in the face if it meant I could meet The Rock. But I don't think I'd let her do a wrestling move on me. <laughs> well, well, you're she'd likely fucking cave your whole face in, which is one punch. You see what she did to Becky. Yeah, but I firmly believe The Rock has like magic healing powers. Have we'll you find out. Like, I can't remember who said it first, but somebody's like, I think one of the things with COVID is you lose your sense of smell, and somebody says <laughs> they realised that Rock's family had COVID when they couldn't smell what he was cooking. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, but the, the other thing, getting back to the topic at hand, uh, Keith Lee all but arguably squashing Randy Orton. Kind of. Like, kind right. of. Like, it was dominant. The match was, well, here, I've got seven, it six. It's like under, se- under seven yeah, minutes from what I understand. Six minutes and 40 seconds is what I've got written down here. Like, decisive, clean win for Keith Lee. For everyone that was worried about, like, his music and his gear. Um, like the guys come in like a house on fire and it's just been pushed to the moon. There's all those rumors, whether they're true or true or not. Who knows that Vince told Randy to go out there and make Keith a star. And like, I'm glad he's not getting straightway pushed into the world title picture. Like that he's not just immediately getting a match with Drew, but I think all signs point to good things for, for uh, for the limitless one, um, I I have a question for both of you because I I didn't catch SmackDown. Um, how did Jey Uso replace uh, Biggie in the Sheamus threw Biggie into a windshield. Oh, he Marty Jannetty him. <laughs> yeah. If, if oh wait, does that think, mean something you, different? If you think that barber yeah, yeah. shops have windshields instead of windows, then sure. <laughs> Yeah, Seamus made Peggy disappear. <laughs> Behind a bowling alley in Florida. Uh, yeah, which obviously means they just didn't want Biggie to take a loss and they wanted Jey Uso in the match. I don't see what this has to do with what I was talking about, though. I don't know. What's We're all over the place in the opening. Tw- we, well, I, it popped into my head. and I Because I just remembered that... Uh, Biggie got replaced, and I didn't 
bother to look up why he got replaced. Uh, I assumed he got attacked, but if he got thrown through a windshield, that's not that's not an easy task. No, but, but if you're the size of Seamus and and you're as you're as thick as Big E, with three C's, yeah, then I reckon he could easily go through a windshield. The thing with Keith Lee, if we can get back to what we're talking about, like, <laughs> how would Keith Lee do against a windshield? The wind, he doesn't break wind. I don't know. I was thinking of a joke I fucked up halfway through. And wait, 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 wait. So, wait, no, wait, have wait, wait. Have another go. Keith Lee doesn't break wind. How does he? Yeah. I, I'm. Does he not eat tacos? Is he not a big carbs guy? Is this a Russian? I was, thing? Gonna, I, I was gonna say he doesn't break windshields or something like that. But and then, like, I realized, like, they're like the thing I was gonna say, I don't probably would make sense. I don't know what I was going for. I'm Just tired. Turns back but. into sand. But like with Keith Lee, like I, I still see people moaning about the music and his gear even after this one. But like, it doesn't matter. I don't think those things matter after it, the fact that he beat Randy Orton clean like this. And people are more like, oh, why is he wearing that like that vest thing? Because his whole appeal is that he's a big guy who can do these things. Like, if you if you somehow think you can't tell how big Keith Lee is despite that thin ass fucking vest thing he wears, the problem isn't the booking. The problem is your fucking eyesight. Because yeah. like it's not that it doesn't cover all that much. It's not like he's wearing like the Roman Reigns like facing or like the Devo Brown chest protector. It's it's thin as anything. Like it's basically a t-shirt. Yeah, he's not come out like I don't know why. Whenever people debut, it like turns into an episode of Queer Eye. Like, <laughs> it's just so strange. Like, the way people they watch Keith Lee's, you say dominate Randy Orton, but they go, well, I don't like his gear, so he's obviously f- fucking doomed. And I was just like, strange. Nathan, they changed his theme music. He's obviously going to be a jobber on main event in six months. Obviously. Yeah, he's just going to be facing, it's going to be Ricochet, Keith Lee, and uh, Mustafa Ali just in three ways every single week on main event. Check it out on Hulu. I was going to say, like, in six months, Keith Lee will be bitching that his match is on fucking main event on Hulu as well. Yeah. Hulu sucks is what we're getting at. Uh, I disagree because I live in the United States of America and Hulu is just fine over here. We don't even get Hulu, so I don't yeah. even know what, what my issue is. I'm fucking furious. That Russian family, Hulu. You know what it was? Fucking angry. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know what it was? Is we started off on Justice League and now we're all in a tizzy. <laughs> now we're riled up. <laughs> we're all. And speaking of things that rile people up, uh, NXT this week had the 60-minute four-corner Ironman match uh, to determine a brand-new uh, NXT champion after Karrion Cross had to uh, va- uh, vacate the title. Vacant is now, what, a like a three-time NXT champion. Good on him. Great pedigree, that guy. Um, and it ends in a draw. Uh, this, this divided opinions uh, over on the Twitter and uh, throughout the internet. Shockwaves were felt through the world of the internet wrestling community. Um, personally, for me, I like the the finish of the match. I'm not too pissed off because it is a weekly television show, and they do need to keep trying to gather those ratings up. And um, they are trying to scramble to figure out what to do after the guy that they just strapped, uh, strapped a rocket to ended up separating his shoulder. Um, so I'm not too uh, pissed off about it, but some people were. Uh, Nathan, I'm going to start with you. Uh, as far as the the tie ending at the end of this four corner sixty minute Ironman match, did it piss you off? Did it 
may, did it not bother you? Where where do you fall on it? It didn't bother me because it wasn't a takeover. If it was a takeover, then I would have had an issue with it. But this is week to week TV. Like they got to tell a stories in both NXT uh, and its competitor on a Wednesday. AEW rely on they both rely on putting on great matches and advertising great matches week in week out. So like how is it's weird. how can you get annoyed when you know in a week's time you're going to get Finn Balor against Adam Cole? Like it's if it was a takeover then yeah I would have had an issue but like week to week TV nah I'm good. 60 minute Ironman matches though are just too damn long. Yeah, I mean I I'm I'm inclined to uh, agree with you because it wasn't like it was a takeover where we saw all 60 minutes uh, after commercials. It was like 42 minutes that we got to see. So like it sort of seemed to fly a little bit easier, especially like if it was one on one, I think it would have been harder to digest. But uh, Scott, where where do you uh, where do you end up uh, on how the the match turned out? I remember that I actually didn't watch the match until earlier today. because I knew we'd talk about it. I didn't get a chance to watch it when it happened. As the water say, I'd, I'd heard about the like the the draw kind of a sudden death kind of finish, and that they lead into next week's match. And obviously, upon hearing about it, you like you're thinking like, well, it doesn't make any sense. It's making a new champion. It didn't end like a conclusive finish. But then also you need to actually watch it. And next when you watch it, the execution of it makes it a lot more like understandable. And also like the fact that it wasn't just a fill out. Usually, eight team match to set a decent pace for the majority of it, and most of the falls didn't happen until like this like. The last like half hour, twenty five minutes or so of it, and like people are annoyed about like the sudden death kind of finish and then the match next week. I agree with Nathan that like, basically it's a case of booking week to week, like especially if you're going up against like AEW and or if you're you've got people who are saying that uh, NXT should move to Tuesday night, apparently behind the scenes, but also like you clearly they need to figure out what they're going to do with the title next week because obviously you got to think they had the next couple of months planned once they put Karen Cross the belt on Karen Cross. And also his injuries probably scarpered a lot of those plans. So I think they're probably still scrambling a little bit. Uh, also, like the most famous Ironman match, uh, being the first one, ended in a draw. And I had no fucking... Uh, I, had no, I had no falls until like Sunday. And that was on WrestleMania. And yet a lot of people think of that as like, one of the greatest matches ever. And yet this is a match on free TV to put to the next week of TV. And yeah, it's like, oh, fuck, NXT's fucked. It's not NXT. It's not the same anymore. Yeah. And they did yeah. They did announce uh, earlier today, I think it was, after they added two matches to this Tuesday's NXT, that the NXT title match between Finn Balor and Adam Cole will open the show. So it's not like they're making you wait till the end of the show again, where maybe some shit could go down or whatever. This is going to happen as the show opens up. So in a way they are sort of trying to, I guess, maintain the, they're they're keeping up the momentum uh, from last week into this week. Um, Yeah. And I think it's the right choice. I I honestly would have preferred it end this way, especially with the way Adam Cole got that second fall, like literally as, the match was ending. I think that's it was a great finish. The match, yeah, because yeah. I also like that it's between Balor and Cole. Do you think they tease that when when Balor came back? And I don't know if they've probably done Cole v Balor since then. And I like, I think I think a lot of people going into it looking at the four lane. I think, oh fuck, they're going to do it's going to come down to Champ and Gargano again. When you look at it 
up until like that last little bit of the match before Balor and Cole got back in for the last two falls, Champa and Gargano didn't have a lot of interaction together. Thanks, Mark. The, the entire yeah. long match. That was like, almost when I think. Uh, also, I mentioned like it seems to be the thing to do Iron Man matches because like if, if anybody listening to this like watch this out, my imagine thought six minutes was too long. You should check out the thirty minute one from Impact from a few weeks ago between Jordan Grace and Joe Perazzo. Like, I know, like, I want to throw that in there because I like Impact, but also, like, we should watch that match because I, I honestly think that's a match of the year candidate because, well, we haven't seen a women's Ironman match on a major promotion in too long. Um, so right yeah, I'm glad you brought up Impact because Impact is on on a Tuesday night, from what I understand. I don't watch it, but if NXT decides to go to Tuesday nights, is this sort of like NXT would have to, uh, not NXT I'm sorry um Impact would have to move nights again or is this sort of just like there's they would then have to scramble and just sort of try and figure out what to do now that something with the WWE machine behind it is now up against Impact which struggles when it's unopposed I think I don't know if they're actually even on when it's on when NXT is on Tuesday I don't think it's on at the same time as Impact uh, but I have heard that already that first episode of like that first Tuesday, Impact numbers went quite a bit down, like almost seventy thousand down from the week before, and this is about the fact that Impact's been doing steady numbers apparently since anniversary. So I think this is kind of clear that this one week also having to be when XT was on, it's clear that even though they might be on different time slots, if people had a choice, they I think NXT against Impact, they're more likely to choose NXT to watch first before. They walked before, unlike when it was on Wednesday, when most people probably chose AEW, as obviously the weekly ratings at the time were shown. Um, just to clarify, I did a quick Google, and uh, Impact Wrestling does air Tuesdays at 8 o'clock on Access TV, here in the States at least. I think that's the, like, the issue, though, with Impact, is that in like 2015, 2016, when it, when it was still going through a rough pitch, uh, and that's putting it lightly, but... <laughs> the best issue there was like not only were they changing networks, but they kept seemingly changing what day they were on on almost a week monthly basis. And that was part of the issue of them being able to build a fan base again. Whereas now they've finally found a firm night for themselves. And then obviously they've got before NXT came on they had a like a firm like audience last month or so. And I think they probably know that it's a risk if they have to move night again. Because it's like someone tunes in on randomly on Tuesday and like, Oh, impact's not on and they haven't like seen on Twitter that they've moved to a Thursday. Then there you go, they've lost like a couple more viewers when they probably need viewers now more than they probably ever have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you know Heath and uh, a few of those other guys aren't going to move the needle as much for you when uh, arguably one of the most uh, uh, popular uh, brands of wrestling is then moving on to. Uh, your night, Brian Myers and them, they're not going to particularly uh, rock the boat too much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, with uh, NXT possibly uh, looking forward to staying on Tuesday night, Super Tuesday is this Tuesday. Tomorrow night, as we record this, probably tonight, as you're listening to this? Don't know how that works. Not my not my gig. Um, but um, we, uh, let's see, what else, uh, anything else from this week in wrestling before we move on to the uh, pay-per-view that happened over the weekend? Hey, I was going to say, I didn't get a chance to really mention, like, what I thought about the uh, the Roman Reigns thing from Payback, 
But again, guys, it doesn't matter why I think, because guys, he's back. Big Rob from the Bronx is back. Uh, for, <laughs> <laughs> for, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, when we did our SummerSlam episode, I mentioned that I actually tweeted quite positively about when Roman showed up and beat up Braun and the Fiend, and like, I was interested to see where this was going to go. And I got a guy on, who on Twitter is the at Rob from the Bronx, basically just suddenly just responding like, no, it's this crowd, like, you don't even believe this. Like, well, I do, I, I actually like this. And then obviously Roman wins, and I like the way he did it, because unlike how he would do shit like this before, they want him to be booed this time. And also him being with him, and that's a great heel team. And basically, and also those who are being listening this first time, I do another podcast called Scott and Ball's Realm Podcast. His main thing is talking about wrestling, Frasier, and losing to these two predictions. And I sent out a tweet, basically from that account, saying, basically saying, I, I want heel room to go on a tear with Heyman, as he's Heyman by his side, and it would make SmackDown must-watch, because as much as Nathan likes to go on with SmackDown, up until now, I haven't given a shit about it. But That's uh, not very nice. Well, well, now I'm watching it, because obviously... Roman's a heel and he's got Paul Heyman with him. So uh, that's basically how this made SmackDown must watch for me. And uh, Guy Rob just randomly, just eloquently to the point, just put, that was awful. Like, <laughs> and then I, I responded, well, you're entitled to your opinion. I guess I'm more of an optimist. And then Rob came back when it was predictable. Retrib- a retribution, a bliss Satan, maybe a curveball would have been better rather than push, pushing Roman down our throats again and stuff like that. And then I thought, you know what? I should be very compassionate to what this man is saying. He's cruelly sick, or he feels that Roman's being forced on him again. So I sent him back this, and I'm sad that I didn't get a response. I say, I see where you're coming from. You feel like Roman's been forced on you. Maybe maybe you'd enjoy our Roman Reigns retrospective and sent him a, a Spotify link to a podcast me and Paul did over a year ago uh, covering the career of Roman Reigns. <laughs> And I'm really annoyed he didn't get back to me. I'm sure he's, he's just, he just enjoyed it so much he couldn't possibly use Twitter again. It may just be it may just be in his queue. You know, he may not have gotten yeah. to it yet. I know that, you know, uh, as a avid podcast listener myself, um, sometimes things fall through the cracks. And maybe he'll get back to it. But I like Rob from the Bronx's style. He doesn't need to bring in facts. He doesn't need to bring in uh, context of any kind. He just says... Dude, it's fucking awful. Which, in my head, that's how he sounds when I read his his tweets. Um, so, Rob from the Bronx, let us know. Like, let us know yeah. what, what we can do to help you help us help you. Okay? <laughs> Just go and, and check out Ben underscore E-B-E-R-T. <laughs> and you send him a DM. Send us a DM over there. And we'll, we'll figure this out, Rob. I'm right over the river from you, buddy. We can figure this out. <laughs> I respect your style, boss. I respect your oh. style. What do you guys think of the oh, Roman's back? He's winning, so he's being forced down our throats thing. Because I find it so weird that people are like, oh, I hate 50-50 booking. But then when someone just wins all the time, they're like, oh, well, this is being forced on me. Uh, like, I, uh, it's weird. Like, it's probably the same people went, oh, God, I wish they'd turn him heel. We'd, he'd actually be interesting then. Roman's back, he's winning, and he's a heel, so... What he's doing is meant to get a heel reaction. Oh, God, they're forcing him on this again. Like, no, like they're giving you what you wanted before and that him, that he's a heel. Um, 
let's just get a soundbite of Daniel Bryan just doing fickle, fickle over and over again for the next 45 seconds or so, because that's exactly what this is. I hate to say it, but maybe Seth Rollins sort of had a point when he was just like, people don't like long-term booking and people don't like fucking, you know, when we give them what they say they want, because we don't give it to them when they say that they want it. And uh, because uh, instead of being from Illinois or wherever the fuck he's from, he's also from Brooklyn. Um, Seth, or the Seth Rollins being played by Christopher Walken. <laughs> oh, that's thank you. I, th- I always thought I had a bad Walken. Is that, is that what that was, maybe? I know it was not at all. I don't even I know what that was. Meant to. It just sounds like a bad like, impression of him. I was gonna say I didn't know fucking Davenport, Iowa, where he's from, has fucking that strong Italian came away. You were going on that impression. <laughs> well, you don't know, man. You don't know. I, I clearly fucking do it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know. Maybe sometimes New York was full back in the twenties and shit when everybody was coming over from you know the motherland and they had to go fucking out west. And they find Davenport, Iowa, and they're like, you know what, man? This is a, it's a pretty cool place. You know, maybe we'll hang out, make some pizza, whatever. You know, right. and then, uh, you know, 60 well, years or so later, okay. 60 years or so later, we get uh, Seth Rollins. Um, I don't know. I'm Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, I lost the plot during the intro, and I am still trying to recover. Uh, sounds like Jimmy is all out of the plot. Hey. Oh. So <laughs> he's trying like hell, but that segue won't tip over. Um, so we take a small trip from the Thunderdome and uh, Orlando, Florida, where NXT is, and we jump on over to Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, the the Bayou, as they call it, they don't call it that. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Uh, to Daly's place, where AEW hosted yet another brilliant. Yes, brilliant pay-per-view. Although it was like 74 years long, and I'm pretty sure in some timelines it never actually ended. Um, and also, KJ, I heard your podcast earlier today. I don't appreciate that you took my intro, that you had no idea that I was coming up with. Um, so yeah, um, AEW All Out, uh, there were, I think, 15% capacity, and they sold that out lickety split because people just want to get out and enjoy the wrestling. But unfortunately, as it is one to do in September, Florida decided to give everybody swamp ass and be in the midst of one of the most humid days of the year. Um, So by the end of it, everybody was in dire need of uh, hydration, hospitalization and air conditioning. Um, So AEW's All Out 2020 took place over the weekend. Uh, Did you guys check out the pre-show? Uh, for for whatever reason, because <laughs> like, like I think the what they did with the pre-show is part of the issue with this show, and that uh, people a big complaint about, especially with WWE kickoff show matches, is that oh they're thrown together at the last minute. Why should I care about this? Three so W thinks you know what we're going to make our kickoff match, show matches matter. We're going to give you Big Soul versus Britt Baker, and it's not only a cinematic match, the match actually has a story on the buy-in. And all the Twitter went, why the hell is this match on the buy-in? So they went, okay, we'll move it to the main show. So we already had, like, what, nine matches, including the original buy-in match scheduled. So then now you've got nine matches on the main show, and you had, like, two random matches that have no story 
onto the fucking buy-in. One of them has that fucking involved Serpentacle. Who the fuck is Serpentacle? Why the fuck is Luther on my screen again? Like, did I not explain on our fucking one of our fighter fists and Great American Bash podcast? Luther is the fucking worst. Why is he still here? I think you're you're slowly reaching full gear, Nathan, and I love it. Uh, <laughs> like, why is he here? And then fucking, <laughs> and then the, and then private. Because the Young Bucks Lucha and Jurassic Express match was meant to be like, oh, they guys they guys won the event tie against SCU and Pirate Party, which means they got on the pay per view, and that's what it's all about. It's all about getting a spot in the pay per view. But then Daniels and Gazarian get in the fucking battle royal, and then Private Party get a, get a spot in the buy-in because there's a spot to fill. It's like, so what's the fucking point? Well, this first up on the pre-show, uh, after yeah, four hours, <laughs> after <laughs> four <laughs> hours on the red carpet, uh, we because they did, did you guys? I didn't watch any of it, but apparently they had a two-part red carpet, a uh, red carpet premiere. Thing where they were interviewing oh, people. Fuck. Like, off. what serious? is it? The fuck? Yeah, I swear to God, it was in two parts. Jesus Christ. And it was Big Dick Tony Schiavone uh, and uh, Dasha uh, just interviewing people uh, as they were coming into the building as if it was the fucking Soul Train Awards or, you know, the fucking Golden Globes or something. And it's like, what the fuck even is this? We got a little, we got a tiny little taste of being the elite dark order that I didn't see. I just happened to see like in like a, like a piece of something during the buy-in and, uh, but the first match on the, uh, the buy-in was, uh, Joey Janela with, uh, the concrete rose, Sonny kiss, uh, taking on Serpentico with Luther. Uh, this match goes seven and a half minutes, way too long. Um, because this match was, uh, I don't know. I guess the polite word is choppy. This isn't AEW Dark. Why am I watching fucking Joey Janela versus Serpentico? That's why I, I was thinking. Problem, I don't have a problem with the bad boy Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss on my screen. I love both of them plenty. Um, but Serpentico, like, I have to echo what you said, Scott. Who the fuck is Serpentico? Like, why the fuck? And Luther, put your fucking tongue back in your mouth. Stop pointing at your temples and get off hard cam. What is this, 1979? Because, like, like, Jericho goes on about his blog, oh, it took so long for Luther to get this opportunity. I can see why. He's the dog worst. He's literal dog water. Oh, he's a fucking... He, oh, he's a legend in the deathmatch like... scene. Because he's shit in regular matches. Luther... in the deathmatch scene to who? I've never heard anyone talk about him other than Chris Jericho. Like, that was my I, point. I, 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 spo- I, I have a lot of friends who are into the deathmatch scene and, like, really get into, like, the uh, Spider Boudreaux and Nate Webb matches or whatever. And, uh, like, the four people who know what I'm talking about are like, oh, my God, that match. Um, but I've never heard Luther come up once, ever. I've never ah. seen or heard of this guy before, ever. Oh, man, if you go onto a Serpentico on a cage match, he still has a MySpace page. No. Yeah, it's comes with a MySpace page. Oh, man, it's blank. I was so hoping it was going to be like my top 10 friends. Who do you, okay, real quick, who do you okay. guys think would be in Serpentico's top eight? He doesn't have one. He knows two people. <laughs> one of them. 
Apparently he was trained by the Dudleys. What the, what kind of off day were Devoid and Baba having when they trained this guy? <laughs> this, this guy has local competitor written all over him. Okay, I didn't even, let, I didn't even watch this match. <laughs> let me let me let me ask you let me ask you, Scott. The the spot where Serpentico went up to the top rope and then decided after he got all the way up there to just not do the move and he came down and like <laughs> punched Joey. This really happened, Nathan. I swear to God. God damn it. He sets up for some sort of move off the top rope. Joey Janelle is laying on his back. He stands up there for what feels like, I don't know, a day and a half. And then he just decides not to do the move and like gingerly leaps down. And I think he just punched Joey Janelle in the gut while he's laying down. It was Scott. Did you like, you know what I'm talking about? The spot? What? Probably the one the only spots I remember. Like from this match, like, like it wasn't even fuck? the same. Qu- it wasn't even the same quarter. But I'm pretty sure it's his fault that Matt said they'll fuck this spot up later on. He's probably up there getting off the play. He was up there that long. God damn it! But anyway, yeah. So that match, uh, Joey Janela ends up ends up winning. Blah 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 blah. Uh, next match on the buy-in was Private Party, Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn taking on the Dark Order, Alex Reynolds and John Silver, the former Beaver Boys. Um, I don't know if you guys know this or not. Uh, but John Silver is freaking jacked, baby. It's freaking jacked. Oh, yeah. um, like, we used to Matt call Cardona him. Talked about how jealous he was of like his quads or whatever on an interview. He his his thighs and stuff. Like I don't know how he made that happen, but um, it's insanity. Uh, this match goes ten and a half minutes, and it wasn't bad. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't Joey Janela versus Serpentico or anything. Um, it, it wasn't bad. Uh, a lot of really good, like back and forth between private party and dark order. It was actually good to like, I actually like that this was on the buy-in. I think that this was a, a decent little showcase for like the bottom part of like the standings in the tag team division. I like private party a lot. Uh, and I like Alex Reynolds and John silver, uh, having worked, uh, near three of the competitors in this match at one point or another, I'm glad to see that these guys got a little bit of a shot and they had a pretty decent 10 and a half minute match. Would you agree, Scott? I I would because, you know, Pirate Pirate looks good. Reynolds and Silver are probably better than they get an opportunity to really show. You know, like they've had like matches against like Cody and Matt Cardona and they've done some stuff on Dart. But like the issue is is that also there might be like underlings to Cody Lee. So it's hard to ever really believe that they'll win a match. Like unless it's maybe on dark, so like when you seen this match, Ryan Lee added there was never really any doubt to the result. Having said that, it was still like a fun tag match, and like they got to showcase themselves like better than they had before. Uh, yeah, and uh, I think uh, I think that like I said, I think that these guys really deserved it. In theory, Nathan, how do you feel about this this match being on the pre-show? Uh, in theory, looking at it on on my 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 screen, just in black and white, uh, this is probably the the best match on the buy-in. You uh, would be right. Yeah, that's high price. I like the fact that if you look at their names, uh, it says DOP, so D O double P. That's pretty cool. And I bet there was some really good tag team wrestling, just real 
No. The people on the apron, I bet they held the tag rope the entire time. And you would be you would be mostly right. Um, mostly. <laughs> mostly right. <laughs> Some mostly. of the time they held it. Um and then so yes, uh that, that was the uh the final match. They're on the buy-in, and then they run through a video segment uh, where we see uh, this may have happened earlier. I'm just jumping around here just real quick. Uh, MJF addresses John Moxley where he says he won't uh, play his game, won't, won't allow this match to go outside of the ring. Spoiler alert, that gets thrown out of the fucking window uh, real fucking quick. Um, we see some of the Casino Battle Royale par- uh, participants. John Moxley readdresses MJF. Uh, Tony Schiavone is joined by Excalibur, of course, on commentary. Now back on to the main show, the main card uh, that was about, I don't know, 14 and a half matches long. Um, No, just about nine more. Things start out with the tooth and nail match. Big Swole taking on Dr. Britt Baker. DMD. Uh, we see a car pull up outside of a dentist's office. Uh, it's like cinematic y, cinematic ish, because uh, we do get commentary over it, um, which I thought was an interesting sort of take on it. But uh, she enters the office and immediately looking for uh, Britt Baker. Uh, she uh, is finding instead a bunch of items like chattering teeth, toys. There's blood on the floor somewhere. I don't know, understand why the opening like 30 seconds of this was like super spooky. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like when, if you, if you guys ever played Arkham Asylum, it's like when Joker first breaks out and Batman's just walking around his prison. And there's just chattering teeth everywhere. <laughs> and you get your health back that way and some experience. Oh yeah, you gotta get you gotta get them all. That's an achievement is to yeah. throw your batarangs at, at them all. I don't know if Swole got an achievement for doing that. She didn't she break trying, any of them. She was trying to well, get her health by wandering around so she so she had the advantage going into the match. God, we are a long way away from the boneyard match in Stadium Stampede, aren't we? These oh. cinematic matches, Jesus Christ. I heard some people saying that, like, oh, at least it was better than the Swamp Fight. Uh, did it have Ghost Alexa Bliss? Is uh, that a good thing as well? Like, if that's the bar. <laughs> I mean, that's that's at least the the, 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 the sub, that's like the sub-basement. You know, like, yeah. if you can't at least get there. Um, I didn't hate this. I thought that uh, Reba, Rebel, whatever her actual name is, was, like, like pretty awful like it, it just sort of like oh. the the acting i guess uh, like acting i guess that she portrayed here was like yeah really just dog awful um she i don't i don't understand why at one point big swole decided to throw the picture frame at reba reba <laughs> rebel or whatever and then punch through the glass instead of sending the glass into reba's face um so they they she ends up in a fucking dumpster at one point and they make sure to drive that point home by making sure she ends up with a fucking banana peel on her head um what (laughs) uh and uh swole ends up winning uh by knockout gas to the face i'm not making this up ladies and gentlemen if you haven't seen it please go check this out because it even says Right here on Wikipedia, where I'm reading this from, Big Swole defeated Britt Baker with Rebel by knockout in a tooth and nail match that it was exactly 10 minutes long. Nathan, I'm going to start with you, giving Scott time to uh, finish breathing 
after that whole Serpentico ordeal. Um, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna start with you, Nathan. What did you think of the tooth and nail extravaganza that it was? It, it was suitably cheesy, but man, this sucked. <laughs> like it's, it was only it was only like like you just said all this shit that happened. It was like five minutes long, and yeah, like Reba or Reba makes like makes Natalia look like Rene Zellweger when it comes to acting. Like my god, like she did it. Like it's like the instructions to her were right: act frantic and schizo. And she just like ran into the scene like the entire time. When uh, when when Big Swole first came in and she has like half a conversation with her and then she just goes, Brit, she's here! Yeah. I <laughs> nearly pissed myself laughing. I nearly oh, spit my beer all over so my room. Bad. There's a bit where Brit break had a drill, like an actual drill. You know, that's not a dentist drill. Right. Yeah, I don't think getting... I don't think this is a real doctor's office. Who's getting drywall put in their mouth? <laughs> Yeah. Like, why do you have a full Dyson or whatever the fuck power drill? And I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. It was like, like, instead of getting like a cavity, it was like having a picture hung up in your mouth. Like, it's just strange. Like, the things she had is just bizarre. But no, if if the Boneyard match was like the godfather of these COVID cinematic matches, this was Police Academy 5. Oh, God. <laughs> like, which, for, for all those uh, keeping points on, on my metaphors, that one did take place in Florida. Oh, Destin, Florida? No, Miami. Oh. Uh, yeah, this, this, I don't know what anyone got out of this, like, other than a clean bill of health in their mouth. Maybe I would. I would just want to see them have a normal match. I mean, would you though? No, <laughs> Scott. But I was saying that for the podcast. <laughs> Scott, how about you? Would you have rather seen these two just tear the Daly's place to the ground with their extraordinary wrestling ability inside a ring, or did you enjoy the tooth and nail match? Hold on, guys. I got to finish sending this DM. Hey, uh, at Serpentico, why the <laughs> fuck do you still have a MySpace you fucking nerd? Stay off my screen. And send. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> did I really send that? Well, never know. I'm going to uh, tweet him now and ask him I'll ask if he's been on his MySpace page. But uh, as, as, as far as, as this match goes, it was fine for what it was meant to be. But, uh, fucking Reva. Like, hey, who was your acting coach? Lana. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> fucking Tommy with Zoe. <laughs> like, I, I, I liked, I appreciated that Cody clearly gave Brit a loan of the mask that he wore in his 2011 disfigured run for that creepy bit where she was Dulking around the dentist's office, uh, but like, yeah, it was weird to have a cinematic match open show like Pyro, big looking at Jacksonville. Got obvious, probably pre-tape. Uh, the the biggest thing I can say about this is that during this match, my brother once said to me, "Why when Kane when Glenn Jacobs played Isaac Yankum, 
Why wasn't his dentist character not called Nova Kane? <laughs> That's my main takeaway. A joke Tons. that I stole off my brother is the main thing I can say about this match, other than Reva's horrible acting. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, like, we got everything in this match. We got a drill. We got uh, a, a, a needle filled with Novocaine. Um, I don't know. I mean, they. it seems like they tried to rush Britt Baker back and then realized she couldn't actually, she wasn't fully cleared. So they were like, we got to do fucking something here. <laughs> yeah. It didn't make me want to go to the dentist. Oh, absolutely not. Um, next up, uh, the the match that should have opened the show, uh, the Young Bucks, uh, Matt and Nick Jackson taking on Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus with little little Marco stunt there on the outside with his little boot, um, which I had to ask on Twitter, uh, did I miss something? Why is he in a cast? And uh, someone, I, I don't remember who uh, mentioned to me on Twitter, uh, yes, Jake Hager, like, stepped on his foot or something on Dark a couple of weeks ago. Whoa. I know. stepped on his foot. I know. I know. I think what's actually happened is Tony Khan has brought in, a, brought in like, a rule for AEW that there has to be one performer in a boot on every show. Because it was Britt Baker for ages, and now she's out of a boot. So they've got to get a new boot boy. Marco Stunt, boot boy. You yeah. Can, you guys can have that one AEW. Jungle Jack Perry and Boot Boy Stunt. I mean, they'll, they'll make a fucking demo god t-shirt that couldn't make anything and a t-shirt over AEW. Because that's in boots. Uh, so this match goes uh, uh, almost 15 minutes, 14 minutes and 50 seconds to be exact. Um, I thought it was all right. Uh, Young Bucks end up getting the win. Um, yeah, it was, it was fine. A good opener had it been the opener. Um, Scott, I'm going to start with you. Uh, if you are through your hatred of Serpentico for the for for the moment at least, uh, what did you think of uh, the Young Bucks and Jurassic Express? I'm I'm fine now. I, I took a couple of laps while uh, while you and Nathan talked about the uh, the tooth and nail match, and then I sat down to bully cyber bully Serpentico. But I I'll be honest with you, my the fake TV connection I was using to watch this was kind of funny during this, so I can't say I saw all of the match. Like, but the bits I did see that I did enjoy, I, I got to see the finish. I got to see them attacking Marco Stunt, which obviously would play into something that happened later on, something that's probably going to play into the next like few weeks. I definitely do think that between this and possibly SUV Private Party, this was the better of the two kind of options. And obviously, there was not that much story going into it, but I think it's just how the Bucks acted in the match and then what they were involved in with, with Kenny Earp later on. I think they were just using this. Okay, well, get the bucks on the show because when you really look at it, if something was going to replace the tooth and nail match on the pre-show, it was probably this. But fucking the bucks wouldn't put themselves on the pre-show. Oh no way, no way. Uh, Nathan, would you think of uh, Young Bucks and Jurassic Express? Yeah, it's the best opener that's not opened a show. Uh, it was, it was good. Like, I love Luchasaurus. He's so big and dinosaur-like. Uh, all his dives are cool. All his kicks are cool. Uh, they had to, some great kind of tandem offense. I like the Bucks healing it up as well. Like, they're kind of good, sleazy bad guys, especially when they kicked poor Boot Boy. Hey, can, can, um, we, can we not refer to Luchasaurus as he, as we as we said in a past podcast? Oh, yeah. Accurately determined the gender of dinosaurs. We, go, we don't know. 
by all by all rights, he should be the number one contender to Akaro Shida at this point. <laughs> oh God, I'd fucking watch the shit out of that match. I yeah, really, it was like, it was a good match. It just should have opened to show, as you said. But this this show kind of had a weird pacing issue to it, especially when we get to the next match. My God. Uh, but I think the Bucks are they they're really good bad guys. They are kind of like the heel hardy boys that we never got. Uh, yeah, I so mean, this was this was Police Academy two. <laughs> Is that the uh, the ranking system for this for this pay per view? Just obscure eighties movies. Maybe I, I I think it's more I think it's more fun to say this is maybe. I don't know the Lost World Jurassic Park. <laughs> like, like it's not the original, but like it's not as bad as some of the films that would come after it. Yeah, but again, my kind of the theme for this show for me is I feel like these two teams have had and will have better matches than this. And mm, it's a shame that this is on a pay per view. Like if this was a TV match, we'd all be like, "Wow, what a great!" Everyone, go check out this match on Dynamite, but with it like being the second match on a on a super long pay-per-view and quite a big show for them, I was kind of like, I feel like I've seen these guys have better matches, which is weird. I said on Twitter um, that the, match two, PWG Showcase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it would make more sense if either team was like the tag champs or if this was like a number one contenders thing. But I get what you're saying, Nathan, the fact uh, I think if this was on TV, we'd probably be saying like, this is the best thing. Like, this is great. You should go watch it. Possibly, there's not much to say about it, given that it was kind of almost thrown on the card. Yeah, why were these guys having a match anyway? Other than the fact they have identical records, they yes. uh, won an eight-man tag match on Dynamite. Uh, the winners of the eight-man tag match would then face each other at All Out for reasons. Momentum oh. is what it is. Momentum. Yeah. Like I said earlier, their opponents, the guys that they beat, ended up getting on the card anyway. Oh sweet! Yeah. So this yeah, was a, this is actually filler, is what we're saying. This match had no meaning and was just there to fill time that didn't need filling. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that, Tony. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm sure at this point a single tear ran down Tony's cheek. No, he's too busy telling us how much better this was than Payback. Well, I mean, there was more of it. Yeah. If by better you mean it was bigger. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) If less less is more, how much more will more be? There's there's another 18 bingo for you. Scott saying that one joke from Frasier, he's always got ready. If you had... It's always relevant. Yes, a show show from about, I don't know, fucking 15 years ago. Always relevant in 2020. Um, uh, Scott, Scott, did you give your thoughts here on the uh, the tag match? How did you you felt about it? You felt felt good about it? Yeah, you came to me first. Okay, awesome. (laughs) Can we not talk about this next match? Well, no, I... Yeah, why, why, why not? Particularly, the, the next match is the twenty-one man casino battle royale. Winner received a future AEW uh, World Championship match at some point in the future. Uh, it went about twenty-two minutes, and Lance Archer won, therefore spoiling the main event. Whoops, um, at least to me. 
but yeah, why don't you want to talk about the Casino Battle Royale? Because I thought you just said it spoiled the main event. Because they weren't ever going to do MJF versus Lance Archer, were they? And also, I just don't like these ran- the random battle. We talked about the last match being like filler. Like This is peak like 2011 WWE. It's like, well, we've got time to fill. Fucking throw a battle royal in there. <laughs> and uh, I don't like the casino battle format. And yeah, like there's one moment to talk about in this match. It was hilarious. And I'm glad he's okay. But it was super funny. Um, well, I mean, I was going to mention uh, the order in which people came out, but uh, I guess we could just skip right to the end. The final suit in the deck of cards, the Joker, the man who looked like a fucking clown. Man uh, who gravity like... found. <laughs> I saw a meme that was like, it said, like, you ever seen God chokeslam a guy? And it was just, <laughs> it was just the gif of poor Matt Seidel. Because, like, if this was, like, later in the match like after his music had ended at the very least because he comes out the smoke hadn't even cleared and he gets up on the thing and just eats shit (laughs) off the top turnbuckle it wasn't like it wasn't like he landed on his head and it was scary for a second no it was funny the whole time he just didn't flip (laughs) like he like like sent on (laughs) yeah like he he kind of didn't go anywhere um, but I think another important thing to talk about, a big talking point during this match that I, I definitely needed to bring up here, um, was the thumbtack body bag spot with um, Ricky Starks, Brian Cage, and Darby Allen. Uh, you could see um, that uh, the other wrestlers in the ring, especially um, Eddie Kingston, I want to give Eddie Kingston props here as one of the guys who was very vocally like, what the fuck? when Brian Cage just sort of threw another grown man, like, just like, oh, he'll fucking figure it out, ba-bam, and just tossed him. Um, I think it was incredibly, incredibly irresponsible of Brian Cage um, to just throw Darby Allen out like that. Um, I understand that it was a planned spot, like, whatever, but Brian Cage is, like, for Darby Allens. He could have controlled the, the throw a little bit more. Um, and shame on Brian Cage, shame on Ricky Starks and shame on Taz for that stupid hat that he wore on dynamite a couple weeks ago and for not training your boys better. I understand that they're all FTW, fuck the world, fucking find the wiener or whatever the fuck it stands for these days. Um, but you know what? Fuck you, Brian Cage for that. That was really shitty of you just to throw a guy like that. Not cool. Uh, eat a dick. Um, uh, Scott, I'm going to go to you first again because Nathan doesn't want to talk about it. What did you think of the Casino Battle Royale and um, the the very funny spot and the very not funny spot that we just mentioned? Well, I, I like the fact that at least you got the guy's got a couple of seconds to make an entrance, and then the next guy comes out, and you don't just send five people out at once. Like they did in the last couple of Casino Battle Royals, so that's something at least. Uh, it was okay for the most part, like Sunny Kiss eliminating Jake Kager was out of nowhere. And yeah, like I think Darby's done like body bag spots before. So I think he he, he needs to learn at some point, like he needs to fucking stop doing that, especially with the thumbtacks involved. And I'm pretty sure they still left some of the thumbtacks on the man inside the ring because they didn't get them on the bag. And so just the other guys were still wrestling the rest of the Battle Royal 
with thumbtacks randomly on the floor. And then the thing, with the, the thing I'll give AEW props for is that with both Casino Battle Royals and the, the ladder match, as well as this Casino Battle Royal, is that nobody's ever really properly been able to correctly guess who the last person is. I don't think anyone thought Cage was showing up at double or nothing. Adam Page and Mercedes Martinez were 21 in the last two Battle Royals. And again, I don't think anyone really expected that to happen. So the fact that they can always like surprise us, because I don't think anybody thought Matt Sidell was showing up. And just poor guy, because like, I was, I even got on the thought out in my head of, oh, if you do the shooting surface before he suddenly slipped down and felt so bad for him. He's like, oh, God, he's fallen. Because he didn't do much else in the entire match. That was his one big spot to do in the match. And it went so wrong. Like, I think the most accurate way I can describe it is this is probably AEW Shockmaster moment. <laughs> well, for years, everybody associated Matt. Uh, uh, Matt Seidel, Evan Bourne with the uh, really overrated RKO spot um, and now he has something else that people will remember him for what a guy what a guy what a guy um, yeah I, and big 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 ups to Sonny Kiss for eliminating uh, Jake Hager I th- that was like legitimately um, because uh, for those who don't know uh I I had the pleasure of watching Sonny Kiss uh, wrestle a lot in the area that I'm from. Uh, I actually called a few of her matches, and uh, I was I ju- I legitimately jumped up. One of the few times I could find it in me to, you know, like react viscerally to something, and I jumped up and I was like, "Yes, fucking get in there, fucking excellent!" But then, uh, unfortunately, uh, Sonny immediately got eliminated after that. And uh, hopefully the, uh, these two have a match on Dynamite soon because uh, I think I think that match could actually be a lot of fun. The um, the dynamic and styles and the size difference and everything I think it could be a lot of fun to watch. So uh, and I always really love watching Sonny's uh, dance uh, like entrance uh, at these shows with like the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguar cheerleaders and stuff. So uh, big ups to uh, Sonny Kiss and Nathan doesn't want to talk about this match anymore. So we're gonna move on to obviously something. That no one has ever mentioned at all in the last 48 hours since the pay-per-view took place. Um, did you guys know that Matt Hardy wrestled on the show? Because obviously he he had a match here tonight against Sammy Guevara in a Broken Rules match for nine minutes. And had Hardy lost, he would have to leave AEW. Um, yeah, I, obviously I'm being facetious. But um, Matt Hardy uh, suffered quite quite a bump uh, off of the um, scaffolding, the scissor lift that was there. The first thing I said and the first thing um, my roommate said when we were watching this, um, the table is too close. The table is way too close to be jumping that high off of something. Um, and they should have possibly tested this with like, I don't know, a bag of ice or something first to fucking figure out what the hell was going to happen. And I think it was uh, incredibly irresponsible of them to just sort of go, oh, hey, uh. Uh, now I'm Dr. Samson here in this in this um this example. Hey, uh, Matt, uh, you feeling all right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling okay. All right. Yeah, cool. Let's, uh, let's, let's let you climb the fucking entrance way in like two minutes after you fell 15 feet onto the back of your fucking head. This to me wasn't even a match. Uh, I think it would have been easier for them to explain away Hardy having to leave AEW than letting this match continue so Hardy could win. 
um, and before I end up losing my temper uh, about this a lot, which I really want to, um, I think I think I'm just going to pass it over to Nathan. Nathan, go ahead and talk me through your complex emotional feelings about the uh, Broken Rules match. Uh, it's just a last man standing match, first yes. off. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, this was a really bad look on AEW. Like the f- like Matt took a horrible. Like if anyone's smacking their head on concrete, you're end. You got to end end whatever's going on immediately. Like that's that's no joke. It's not the mats on the outside, or it's not like anything that potentially does no damage. It's fucking concrete. So, uh, whatever doctor I think just accepted that, like perhaps needs to take a look at their career decision and, and whether they should really be doing this because this is a horror. Like this could have gone horrifically worse. Like concussions aren't a joke. Getting bangs on the head of that level aren't a joke. They can lead to much worse things. And uh, luckily, Matt's okay from. Uh, depending on who you believe he has a concussion or not and uh, yeah this is this is just bad like as far as the match goes it's not really a lot to say right but like the guy was out for a minute apparently yeah you can tell yeah and then they they just were just like oh we'll just carry on like we've come we've come a long way since 1997 when obviously Steve Austin broke his neck and they carried on the match but right. see, the thing, the problem with that is, is that Steve Austin just rolled up Owen Hart. He didn't climb a fucking 20 yeah, foot scaffolding. He didn't. And so this is just a horrible look. And the way they were like talking about it on commentary after and things like that, trying to cover their asses and everything. Like, it's just bad. And I think the rest of this show badly suffers from what happens here. And you could tell the crowd weren't really into anything anymore. Not that that really matters. The main thing is, is Matt okay? But carrying on the match is just is a gross decision. Like, and I think they're rightly getting questioned about that. Mm-hmm. And and like, hopefully Matt's okay. And presumably this is a storyline. And we're now going to see a new version of Matt Hardy return to AEW. Or maybe this was meant to be his retirement match or whatever. But yeah, this, this was bad as a match and it was just it's gross really is all you can really say the the other two things quickly that um before i go to scott i just want to mention uh sammy guevara having watched the match back uh yesterday uh, because i watched a few matches back yesterday just uh because the show is like four hours long and sometimes um your opinion of something will change if you watch it sort of in a vacuum um, having watched this back, you can see Sammy in midair sort of realizes they're going to overshoot the table and he tries, do, he doesn't get there, but he tries to grab the back of Matt Hardy's head. Um, and he does take care of Matt Hardy through the rest of this a lot, which I feel like, uh, Sammy should be commended for. Sammy had a lot of problems, uh, a couple of problems earlier on in the year, as everybody knows, we don't have to get into it. Um, but I think that. Sammy, you could see the fear in Sammy and Aubrey's eyes after Matt hits the ground, yeah. and they were frightened to death. I think at that, I think at that point you need to use some common sense, though. Like, it, absolutely, it, it's all you can have the attitude of the show must go on, but not with this. You just got to have a bit of common sense. Like, it's great that Sammy Guevara did that, and uh, Aubrey as well. 
like we're trying to take care of the guy but at that point you just got to say no we're done like you just got to go no this guy is completely off i know you're going to end up with a daniel bryan situation when his match with orton got called off he was apparently furious in the back and everything like that but it's it's not worth it when it comes to head injuries like a lot something way worse could have easily have happened if he landed at the wrong angle like it's it's concrete i'm not gonna lie (laughs) i'm not gonna lie i was looking for blood under uh i know it's i know it's a little shitty and a little grim to say that but that was the first thing i looked for after the length that these two men fell and you know maybe sammy maybe banged up his knee or, or 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 something but the back of a man's skull bounced off of concrete yeah. Um, Scott, Scott, before we take everything that is possible to say about this situation, I want to give you a chance to, you know, uh, express your, uh, your feelings about Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara here. Several days later. So, yeah, it was weird what happened with, with Matt because, like, yeah, I know there was a whole retirement stipulation, but you could have got around that with the, the, the fact that, like, he's got all these different characters to say, oh, yes, well, Matt Hardy's retired, but this new person that he is is here and i agree like you could definitely tell the wind was taken out of the crowd with the whole stop start nature of the, of the match because like, the cross was thrown up but matt would get up and say no i'm fine which i think the doctor i'm pretty sure that's the same doctor that was there to help joey lawler when he had a heart attack so like a doctor should know at this point if he's been around wrestlers not to always trust a wrestler when they say oh i'm fine especially not when their head is just hit off bloody concrete and I think what's worse, I don't think what a lot of people are talking about is the fact that he should not have been allowed to claim that, that structure near the stage because, like, we see what happened with Matt Seidel. He couldn't stay up on the top rope and he hadn't even done anything yet. But whereas Matt was sweating and obviously clearly didn't know where the hell he was. And, like, so he could have easily fallen off of that and, like, we could have had a whole worse situation going on. And you could tell that some of the matches were okay on the show, but there was some great stuff here because there's always at least a few great matches on AEW pay-per-view. But I think this is the big black mark on it. And that when you look back on this, people will be hard for people for a while to look past this match. And you can tell because for the first half of the second and the match after this, the crew were still quite quiet because they were still trying to figure out like, how to react from what happened with Matt. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. And I, I appreciate you taking the time to really think it, think your answer through uh, and everything, uh, because as we sit here, it has been ooh, a few days. Um, so, um, well, my, my internet also landed on the back of its head on concrete, and uh, I thought it was okay, <laughs> but I just feel the extra I've had to wait a couple of days. <laughs> your internet, Your internet finally came back to talk on Dynamite, and thank everybody for its concerns and everything, but hopefully your, your internet will make a full recovery. Uh, <laughs> and sometime soon we'll go after the AEW world title. Um, but yes, uh, it, it has been a few days, but, uh, we are back now to, uh, uh, figure out the rest of our feelings on the rest of this, uh, in incredible, uh, incredibly long pay-per-view. Um, next up we have Hakura Shida, uh, Hakura Shida, taking on Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's World Championship in a match that goes almost 17 minutes. Uh, This was definitely, I said this on Twitter as well at the time, that this was uh, already in my head going to be a contender for match of the night. And man, oh man, did it deliver. Uh, Hikuru Shida ends up getting the win. 
holding on to the title. But there were a few times during this match that I definitely thought that we might see Thunder Rosa uh, win the belt. And it was also announced last night on Dynamite that Thunder Rosa would be defending her NWA Women's World Championship. Uh, I guess I think it was against Eva Lee. So uh, it looks like they're going to continue using her because uh, Thunder Rosa put in one hell of a performance on this show. Scott, I'm going to start with you. Um, what did you think of the AEW Women's World Championship match? I'm sorry, it's hard for me to hear about Thunder Rosa and not be tempted to start singing Rosa Doug Judy style. <laughs> but <laughs> I was Rosa. <laughs> I, I was really happy when it was announced she was coming in. I knew off the bat that I was already going into it thinking this is going to be the best women's match AEW's had, and I wasn't wrong. And I've apparently found out since that. It's also the longest pay-per-view match that any the EW women have had at 17 minutes. So, you know, think about that, what you will. And like I said before, with Matt Hardy, so it's that for the first maybe third or so of this match, the crowd was a bit quiet. You could hear a lot more of the, the noises from the mat. And you could tell that the crowd were kind of, the wind had almost been taking out their sails after what happened with, with Matt Hardy. But credit to both of these women, they got the crowd back on stage because I think that both of them outside of the area are two of the best women's wrestlers in the world right now. She does title reign, I think, is already better than Nyla's or Rio's put together. Like the matches she had with uh, Penelope Ford and now this one. And I don't know what you guys think about the the idea of Thunder Rosa defending the, the title on Dynamite and kind of sticking around because I like it because I think the more Thunder Rosa they can have, the better. And I was talking to some people there who said, like, why are they keeping Thunder Rosa around having her defend her belt when they should be focusing on their own division? Well, I don't think the division's going where we want it to anytime soon because the only real contender they've got right now is another match with Nyla Rose. I'm not exactly that hyped for it. Also, Evelise and Diamante, they won a tag tournament for a company that doesn't have women's tag belts. So at least Evelise is getting something out of it and not a shiny trophy that we're never going to see again. Like one of the Saudi trophies. <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think they definitely had a bit of a mountain to climb. But uh, according to people that were in the building, uh, it, the Matt Hardy thing was sort of like a pox on everything. But uh, according to the people that were in the building that I was seeing, that it was like still over like 100 degrees like in the arena. I can only imagine how hot it was in the ring because uh, you brought up the Saudi uh, like the Saudi uh, trophies and stuff. I remember when they had that uh, that counter for how how much like how high the temperature was like in the ring under the lights on those shows. I can only imagine that um, it was like well over 100 degrees in the ring. So the fact that they were able to pull this match out was pretty incredible. But Nathan, uh, what did you think of the women's world championship match here? It was easily matched at night. I don't even think it, it's close. I didn't know a whole lot about Thunder Rosa. Uh, sorry, Jimmy, actually, I didn't know a whole lot about Thunder Rosa? Yeah, I'm going to cut <laughs> out that delay. But <laughs> Okay, for uh, a second I thought you were doing... Never mind, never mind. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not talented in accents or singing. Um, but Rosa! This was <laughs> it's easily the best, uh, the best AW women's uh, title match on pay-per-view that I've seen. Uh, as well, I think Sheeta's title reign has been awesome. I think Thunder Rosa brings a lot. We're talking about uh, her still defending her belt on Dynamite. I think AEW, although Thunder Rosa is incredibly talented, if you can have her on any show, it, the show is better for it. They just have a lot of 
titles knocking about and a lot of trophies. And mm-hmm. so, and obviously, the more titles you have, the less meaningful they are in a way. And it, it depends how it's all booked. And obviously, the AEW women's division isn't booked very well. And mm-hmm. um, like it's when then you watch matches like this, and you wonder how just let them go out and do what they want and get the benefits of that, rather than like titting about with weird tag tournaments that then aren't on dynamite a lot of the time and then you have to watch them on youtube and things like that and sometimes the women just don't feel very important on the show but then you see matches like this and you're like well why aren't they just doing this shit (laughs) Uh, it was obviously the right i didn't really think thunder rosa was ever going to win but it was still a hell of a match and i did bite for a couple um, of the falls and there were things like what's the bit where she like leapt off a chair (laughs) it's just cool if someone's going to do that that's just that's just awesome that's the bee's knees Uh, Sheeta is known for that spot uh and the fact that thunder rosa turned it around on her it looked a little sloppy but uh i think it it still accomplished what it was trying to accomplish um but i mean i've been on the record on these podcasts talking about how when people complain about oh the AEW women's division needs more time and stuff it's like all right well they got more time because these two deserve that time no offense to penelope ford or um nyla or any of the other women on the show but and granted i I did name like two of the better ones there just now but like what are we gonna watch we're gonna watch every single week serena deeb and some like local woman's talent coming in to have 13 minute matches this is the kind of stuff that deserves the time um, and if they could get Sheeta and Rosa, uh, Thunder Rosa, and they can get more of these types of matches out of the women on the shows, then I'm all for it. But until such time, we got to just, you know, bide our time and sort of wait for these matches that make sense. Yeah, I think it's not it's not just the match quality. It's like it's the lack of stories as well. Like you don't you don't have to go. Well, certainly for me, myself as a wrestling fan, to me, I don't need to see like a five-star match but i'd like to see some good stories like and they're mm-hmm. not even doing that a lot of the time and then like the the tooth and nail match was originally supposed to be on like the buy-in and things like that and it kind of just shows sometimes where they are in in the pecking order of things and mm-hmm. like like it's quite obvious that they're they're kind of building everything and then going well we can just put a women's match here <laughs> and things like that the point I made earlier on when I was talking to some people who weren't really didn't really get why they were having an NW Women's Title match on Dynamite, I don't I see this as pretty much being the same as when you had like Kenny Omega defend the AAA title, and that EW have mentioned before whether it's WWE or AAA or wherever they point out where they like acknowledging other promotions, and if somebody happens to be in the company and they have another promotion title, they're willing to have them defend it and give that a platform. And I think it's a good idea that they're doing it for the NWA because I think the NWA are starting to run a start again. I think they've got a show later on this month. So they help remind people, by the way, NWA is important again. We're giving that tail a platform and then people remember, oh yeah, NWA's got a show again. So it's benefiting both companies, I think. And I don't know if I made this point before, but I think this whole thing with the buy-in and the match being moved is a lot like Remember when they moved that five-way at Mania 33, the main show? Despite the fact yeah. that it had no story and probably would have got a lot more time on the two-hour pre-show, but instead got moved between 
the two main event matches and got five minutes, which is exactly the kind of spot we were trying to move the woman away from. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, next up is a meaningless eight-man tag match uh, that went about 15 minutes where the Dark Order lost. Uh, but instead of talking about that, I want to talk about um, just I want to talk about the Brody Lee and Dustin Rhodes match because holy shit. Was it a fantastic match? Because all this eight-man tag match, if you guys haven't seen All Out yet, um, this match is like the bathroom break or the breather match. Um, and it all it did was set up uh, last night's uh, TNT title defense uh, where Brody Lee took on uh, Dustin Rhodes. And for a guy who's in his 50s, ladies and gentlemen, wrestling in a ring that uh, under bright, like hot lights in like 100-degree weather, these two guys went out there and fucking destroyed each other. And it was very, very good. I mean, we even got to a point in the match where Brody Lee's bald spot was out. So you know that the match was getting intense. Um, um, <laughs> and they, they uh, I i don't think I've ever seen a more perfect uh, Code Red or Yoshitonic out of the corner than I did in that match last night. And uh, unfortunately, Dustin Rhodes lost. But it was a hell of a contest. Um, Nathan, I'm going to go to you first. What did you think of the TNT title match from last night? Because this eight-man tag match is useless. Oh, it was so good. I've not watched it. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, there, there goes that fun idea. Uh, some, of, some of us didn't sleep all day. Some of us had to go and do, do jobs. Hey, I'm, I'm off today, okay? I worked for my money, and uh, now I get to sit home and drink coffee and take four-hour naps like the 65-year-old man I am. This is Scott's <laughs> fault, because if we got to finish this the other day, I wouldn't have to say I've not watched a match. Um, so I'm going to talk about this fantastic eight-man tag. I think it was eight-man. Or was it ten? I don't remember. It was eight. 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 Um, well, you got another bold spot in there that's often exposed in Matt Cardona. Ooh, hey now. Yeah, yeah. And I, lo- I love the fact that Dustin Rhodes is still wrestling and actually getting a good uh, final run out of things. Because uh, it did look like for a minute in WWE that he was going to do something cool when he was going to have a protege or whatever. And he was super gold again, not like weird yellow. And uh, uh, so I will make sure I do watch the match. And, and I'm just happy and I'm good, glad that Brody Lee is doing something as well now that he's got the TNT title. Because it did look like he was going to be a little bit lost for a bit. I do struggle at times to care about the Dark Order. Uh, but Brody Lee kind of winning the TNT title has definitely made them something that I look out for eventually. But I will make sure to watch the match, Jimmy, because you recommended it. I mean, I think all of Dynamite last night was actually pretty fantastic. It was just like wild and crazy. Seen, so if you haven't seen, seen Dynamite... Bits of it. Well, we'll get to after we're done dealing with all out. We'll we'll make sure to talk about one or two things that the internet cannot stop fucking freaking out and freaking out about. Uh, so Scott, uh, the choice is yours. Um, do you want to talk about the eight man or do you want to talk about the TNT title match, depending on which one you've seen? I'll talk a little bit lower both because well, I, the second one I haven't seen either. But... <laughs> oh, for Christ's sake! <laughs> yeah, I, I, I ask I, people I, before we record. I just figured (laughs) this is AEW's fault because they didn't give us a decent match to talk about in the first place in the show we were meant to be talking about because literally everyone I talked to had either that QT was going to get pinned by Brody Lee in this match and it was just to to help contain the Dark Horse momentum which it probably should have done 
uh, if they want to do a thing with Coke Cabana later on, that's fine. What I don't like is having a tag team match on pay-per-view to set up a title match on your TV show when logic well, you should really dictate that it's the other way around. Even if you, it was never in doubt that Dustin would, was going to lose. But it was nice to see Dustin get a feature spot on pay-per-view since his last match was last couple of matches on pay-per-view have been basically getting used to put over Jake Hager and stripping down Sean Spears to his underwear for some reason. Like so he could have used a better use of him on pay per view than this. But I think Brody Lee need and like the core members of the Dark Order like Uno, Grayson and to an extent Anna J need like all the wins they can get to help continue that momentum they got from Brody squashing Cody to actually make the Dark Order look credible again, like like how they didn't look back at double or nothing when Brody lost to John Moxley, and yeah. also are we gonna, are we going to talk about JR apologising, but technically not apologising because he's clearly annoyed that he had to apologise for what he said about energy. Well, let's let's just an uh, old if, old sleazy man. Yeah, when you get <laughs> when you get Twitter JR instead of podcast JR, the lines get kind of blurred. For the for the man, uh, when you uh, try and figure out, you know what's what's right and what's not right. If you guys haven't seen it uh, during the match, uh, it appeared for like the briefest of moments that Anna J might have had some sort of uh, wardrobe uh, issue or whatever. And of course, Jr. called it out, and then uh, he was told, "No, that's not what happened." And he was like, "Oh, I guess it's wishful thinking." But up, up, but up, um, it was just weird. <laughs> It was just weird, just weird to hear this like old, older gentleman just sort of being like, oh, look at her. Oh, and just it just it wasn't it wasn't fun for anybody. And he immediately did apologize. I uh, still getting a little bit of shit from people because they didn't buy the apology or what have you. Um, but I mean, you know, it is what it is. I mean, whatever. Just- I've been. I've been championing JR getting off the fucking commentary desk for yeah. for months now, so it's weird when you have like a sixty plus year old man on commentary who spends a lot of his week selling dick pills and you even get <laughs> upset that he might be a bit sleazy. <laughs> like why is like, everyone surprised? Like it's not just all that, it's the fact that he did the apology, but it wasn't as if oh sorry that I said that thing I probably shouldn't have said because I'm a dirty old bastard. But he said he should have, what he actually said was, I'm sorry, I made a joke. God, people are sensitive. No, he didn't say that word, but you could tell from the tone, like, he was annoyed that people didn't like the joke that he made. Like, he, he may as well have just tweeted out, God, you can't say anything these days, because that's yeah. the line he was walking. Since when do these broads get an opportunity to fucking be upset, huh? Yeah. These fucking guys over here, I'm over here in my fucking college shirt, and I got my hat. And I'm selling some barbecue sauce, and I can't say that. Hey, look, there might be a titty. Whatever. It's weird that it's Gr slowly morphing into King. He spent that much time working with King. He's slowly turning into him. <laughs> it's weird that of the two of them, Jerry Lawler is more PG and able to stick to a program than Jr. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that, given that he's last. He was taken off commentary shortly after making a. A joke that a lot of people say was offensive about Akira Tozawa. <laughs> God, goddamn snowflakes! He wanted to <laughs> he wanted to see a boob. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, do oh. it. He's on time. He's not even working. 
<laughs> what he, yeah what he was actually doing he thought he was off mic and he was like hey was that a wardrobe malfunction and he was scribbling down the time code for when he gets home yeah 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 <laughs> all right so uh, i want to see frame by frame uh <laughs> yeah. yes the uh, eight-man tag match I, i'm very interested in how cole cabana was doing yeah my um, tongue's supposed to be blue what of it <laughs> <laughs> oh man did you did you guys hear i i think it was on dynamite last week uh would they they go to cut to commercial and JR just immediately, like, knowing they've been doing these things lately where sometimes there's commentary on the matches during the commercial breaks, sometimes there isn't. And right after they go to commercial, you just hear JR go, this, uh, this Janela kid, he, uh, he's, uh, he should be a heel. He walks like a heel. Uh, he's, a, he's definitely a she should be a heel. I mean, look at him. That's, uh, that's something uh, I'm going to have to talk to Tony about. Then it goes quiet for, like, 15 seconds. <laughs> and then Tony Schiavone starts going, like, Oh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> Joey Janela out here trying to get some momentum for this weekend. And fucking, ah, uh, God. Got big matches against their pentacle. You need to prepare for that. <laughs> oh, God. Not so fan- I forgot about Serpentico. Motherfucker never replied to my tweet. <laughs> Guess we'll never know why he has a MySpace page. <laughs> it's probably where he is. He's probably he's even looking at his worker. He probably spends more time on that MySpace page than, than fucking Twitter. <laughs> you, they they did a segment uh, last night on Dynamite where they have um, FTR in the ring and they're running down like all the people at ringside because uh, they're celebrating uh, winning the tag belts. And uh, Luther and Serpentico are on the outside of the ring and they're just like, <laughs> what? This is your deep tag team division? Luther and Serpentico? <laughs> I really wanted to get a pay-per-view match against FTR now. Oh, my I, God. I thought you were setting up, like... Could you pause for a second? I thought they did a segment on Dynamite last night where Serpentico checked down his MySpace page and looked at who his <laughs> top eight friends in AEW are. <laughs> and he has, like, an old, like, box like boxy looking computer and you just hear it fucking like <laughs> dialing up he does that like that gift that gift for the kid who does like the thumbs up yeah yeah <laughs> oh speaking uh, of ftr yes g- great segue nathan uh ftr cash wheeler and dax harwood with tully blanchard in their corner took on the then AEW world tag team champions kenny omega and adam page in a match that went 40 years um, for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. And, of course, in the end, FTR wins with a set of double spike pile drivers to Adam Page. Therefore, the new AEW World Tag Team Champions, FTR, all is right with the world. But uh, this match definitely needed a couple of minutes shaved off and probably more of a crowd. I think that this match in a full arena probably would have been a hell of a lot better but uh even though it only went 29 minutes and 40 seconds it felt a lot longer it not that's not to say it was a bad match or it wasn't well wrestled uh it just it felt very plodding and um slow at points uh so um uh, scott how do you Mm -hmm. feel about the AEW world tag team championship match that i'm assuming on earth two is still continuing (laughs) somewhere (laughs) Somewhere universe, yes. In the darkest timeline, it's mandatory to stay there for all 40 years that it goes on for. You just <laughs> they, can't leave. They all have, like, evil goatees. 
<laughs> well, I'm sure. I'm 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 sure in the next couple of weeks uh, the Bucks and Kenny will show up with uh, with goatees, given what happened at the end. But I agree. It's, I think we were, you guys were saying in the group that it was probably a good like 20 minute match that got stretched out a bit longer than it should have. Although having said that, I think it is still the best match FTR have had in AEW so far, and it probably should have been given how good Kenny and Hangman are. And it once again showed why FTR are so great and why everybody was wanting them to do, do more when they were in WWE. One of the things that I didn't like, other than the fact that it was going way too long, and I like I'm sitting there on the couch at like three, four in the morning, whatever time it was, UK time. And I was like, well, it's, it's just Moxley after this, isn't it? Oh no, I got one must have made him. Oh, for fuck's sake! Just <laughs> like and I'm then watching it. One thing I didn't like, other than the, the length of it, was the finish confused me. And that it seemed like they had it set up ever like they'd done the great like tag team, like old school tag team tactics that they'd been doing for, like isolating people working body parts. So they had Kenny's knee taken out so he couldn't break up the pin on Hangman. So Hangman just kicks out of the fight by driver and then they just repeat that exact same spot with Kenny being unable to get to them. Even though the second time when Kenny was looked a lot closer to breaking up the pin than he could have been. And then this FTR win, like to me, it came across as like, oh, we may have won with a spike power driver, but something went wrong. Highman thought he was made kick out. That's just, and so he just did the spot again. So I don't know why they had to do the exact same spot less than a few minutes after they just did it. I think a uh, story, like the the thing that came across to me uh, after rewatching it and having quite a lot of time to contain my thoughts about this about this match is that maybe um especially with what happened after kenny was already just sort of like uh you know, fuck it this obviously we've lost this there's no way they're not stopping i'm done here like let's just let this go because he does hang out on the apron for what feels like an eternity um nathan uh if you are done watching this match because as i said in some other timeline this match is still going on <laughs> Um, maybe in different timelines it hasn't ended yet, uh, in different uh, time zones it hasn't uh, ended yet. So if you did get to the end of the AEW World Tag Team title match, uh, how did you feel about it? Yeah, it was an outstanding 20-minute match that was half an hour long. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it had like 10 minutes where there just wasn't a whole lot happening. Like, and I found myself like looking at my phone and stuff and just kind of thinking, Jesus, this is long. And then... Looking because I didn't watch the show live, so I'd like looking at the run times. I was like, fucking hell, this show is so long, man. Uh, but like some of the wrestling was outstanding. The character work between Omega and Page, I think, is one of the better stories go- that's been going on in AEW. Like, and I know uh, apparently there's more if you watch like Being the Elite and things like that, but I don't know, watch that shit. And <laughs> it was, just, yeah, it just got a bit. Dull. Like I didn't really understand the ending either. I was just like, "Why well, don't you just help him, man?" I was like, oh, "That Kenny Omega, what a rascal!" And uh, yeah, I prefer the Shatter Machine as a finisher, but they want to be Italian on, don't they? So they're going to have to do the Spike Pile Driver if they're ever going to be them. Uh, but I feel like in an, in a different alternate timeline, these four are having a much better match. And I don't know if it was the humidity or if it was just the crowd that was still a bit dead or if it was the length of the show. And it was probably a combination of all three. But it just felt like it never got it never got going. Like for me, it never made it into full gear. 
Maybe there'll be a rematch at Full Gear. Ooh. Is there even a Full Gear this year? Yes, Man, November, so. yeah, November 7th. Oh, fuck, I'm going to go to the show. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure as long as Kenny Omega isn't wrestling a death match and also checking on the women uh, earlier in the <laughs> evening, I'm sure you'll have a pleasant time watching it. Uh, oh, that I was meant to make a JR and Dax Hardwood joke. Fuck. <laughs> you want to try me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we haven't moved on from the match yet, so I mean... Do you, uh, want to, do you want to try giving uh, it a run? <laughs> JR tried to give his Dax Hardwood a run. Hey! Hey! So anyway, after the match, uh, Kenny Omega <laughs> uh, feigns uh, hitting Adam Payne, uh, Payne, Adam Page, with a, uh, a table. Doesn't want to uh, hit Adam Payne, Jesus Christ. No, no, you don't Kenny want to hit the Payne. Kenny, you don't Kenny want to hit the Payne train with Kenny a, uh, with a table. Um, yeah, Kenny dies. Uh, but no, uh, Adam Page. Uh, Here's Kenny. You bastards. You bastards. Um, he, uh, Adam, like, lumbers forward, falls to the ground. Uh, Kenny drops the table, starts walking out. Camera follows him through Gorilla. No, Tony Khan. He got out of the way this time. I guess he knew that he was coming this time. Um, goes all the way out, yells at their driver to take him back to his, um, I don't know, Japanese anime-like mansion that he's living in in, in Florida or whatever. Uh, and, uh, there's like a little bit of a standoff there. The Bucks do not look very happy. Again, they super kick Alex Marvez on Wednesday. So their faces again. Um, and yeah, that, uh, that, what do you guys think is going to happen here? They had a couple of interviews last night where, um, Adam Page, uh, said that he would like to go after the tag titles again with Kenny. Kenny is very much like, nah, fuck that guy. Uh, I want to go back to being the ace. I want to be Kenny Omega and Adam Page. Like, that's behind me now. So uh, what do you guys think uh, is next for the, uh, the the disbanding of the elite, as it were? Uh, start with Nathan. I think the, the obvious thing that's next is a match between Kenny Omega and Adam Page. I think we saw that match ages ago. Um, at a show, I can't remember if we did or not. There's been a lot of these. Familiar. Yeah, I'm sure we've seen it like a hundred times, but it will be outstanding. And I think that's the obvious direction that this is gonna gonna go in, and then we're gonna get a full blown heel Kenny Omega, the cleaner, and hopefully that pushes him up to kind of a title match because he is really, really obviously he's the best wrestler in the world, arguably. And we've not we've not seen him kind of at the peak of his powers in AEW, and I think that's what this story is lending into a little bit, which is kind of half truth, half fiction that we've not seen proper Kenny Omega. We've not seen the matches that we know Kenny Omega can have, and hopefully this character change will bring them out. And I think it's time to kind of break up the elite f- for a bit because a they don't do anything as the elite. Uh, other than have like cool stadium stampede matches every so often and be it just be more interesting to see them all doing different things and yeah why yeah, not absolutely. as long as adam page rides a horse i don't care oh they got to bring <laughs> that horse back um uh scott your your thoughts on the whole uh ending there uh and what do you think is next there for kenny and adam page i think the reason you didn't see tony Kenny, he was off in a quiet room somewhere trying to formulate his defense and trying to calm down Matt Hardy's wife and try and make AEW <laughs> not seem like arseholes for what happened instead of just probably owning up to it like he should have. But going back to the, the tag match, 
I will say I would as does seem like Kenny's going off as more of a singles run again. And I would like to, to see that and I think him and the Bucks turning heel and staying together and Adam being kind of the face rather than it being the other way around where it seemed like it was going is actually a better option because I've seen a lot of people, especially well, quite a few UK fans, pointing out that really when you look at it, the Bucks and Kenny are the, are the guys being the arseholes to Adam Page, who's clearly gone through a lot throughout, like since the start of Vader, when since losing to Jericho. So it actually makes more sense for Page to be the face. Also, a weird thought popped into my head at the start of the time, match when it was announced as a 60-minute time limit. And I think they announced, they said that with like, all the title matches. And I just made me think, like, oh, God. The the what the, the first thing Kenny challenges for that title, the world title, on a pay-per-view, they're going to go to a 60-minute draw, aren't they? They're, they're going to use Kenny to go, take over the full-time limit because that's what he used to do in Japan. And I'm sure it'll please a lot of people who watch them, like his journey in Japan and all that. But, like, for me here, I'll probably be watching that live and I'll probably already be seeing them on when it starts. So I cannot stay up live to watch another 60-minute, another Kenny Omega match that goes to a fucking draw. Not like he's, you know, salty about it or anything. Um, God, that would actually, that would be the fucking worst thing in the world if they uh, did that. I, so many people would love it, but I would be firmly in Scott's camp. I'd be like, I sat there for 60 minutes and no one fucking won. <laughs> I thought it was going to be coded that they did it with, but now that Kenny's seamlessly splitting away from him, I thought, no, it makes more sense because Kenny went bloody 60 minutes all the bloody time in Japan, didn't he? Do you think do you think that they'd do that with him and uh, him and Moxley or something maybe like do you think that they'd let them go 60 minutes on pay-per-view? I can't I really don't want to watch a 60 minute John Moxley match. Me like, we're going to get to it in the main event for that man outside of being incredibly scary and angry he's so boring to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think it would be him and Moxley. I mean, each they might be tempted to do a 60 minute draw. And as maybe like the, to like continue their feud if one of them is ends up taking the bill at some point, but you never know. Can we get yeah. Pentagon Junior in Kenny Omega for sixty minutes? Uh, maybe yeah, I'd watch. Yeah, yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah. Um. So I think it. I don't know if we mentioned it yet, but I think maybe it was after this match while they were setting up for the Mimosa Mayhem match. There was a uh, little interview in the back with uh, Jock sniffing Alex Marvez in the back uh, interviewing uh, Kip Sabian and, and uh, Penelope Ford. Um, uh, they're getting married, ladies and gentlemen, because it is wrestling, and wrestling marriages never, ever, ever have anything exciting happen to them. It's just straightforward love, flowers, doves, and whatnot. Uh, he announces that he's going to have a best man on Wednesday, and on Wednesday it was revealed my bay, my spirit animal, my true love in this world, Miro, is the the best man. The best man, Miro, is now with uh, Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. What do you guys think of Rusev, a.k.a. Miro? F.K.A. Rusev? I don't know. That guy. He's back, and he's all elite, and he looks as if baby Dominic from back in 2002 evolved into what Miro is now. And he's still trying to write Eminem letters. Um, <laughs> so what do you guys think of, uh, of uh, Miro being uh, in AEW now? I'll start with Scott. I love it. I know to some people it might seem a weird way to have him get his foot in the door, but like he's, he's only just debuted. So I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. 
because I'm thinking there's going to be some really interesting pre-tapes with him and keep saving him lead up to whenever this wedding's happening. And we can, we've can we seen from his WWE run, even though he didn't get that many opportunities to show it, that he can be a really good comedic performer as well as being like a serious wrestler. And I just keep thinking with regards to this wedding, all the different ways that they could make this go wrong because obviously it has to happen at a wrestling wedding. Uh, I have two options of how this wedding goes wrong. Uh, one, I stole from Tom Campbell and Cosaholic, uh, who said that they basically said that Jake's Nate Roberts gives them a present and it's a snake inside, much like uh, the match of Man Liz wedding from back in the day. Or somebody pulls up, uh, comes out on stage and reveals that they already married Penelope in a drive through wedding while she was unconscious. Oh, uh, I, my, my, my current guesses are either Joy Janela or Serpentico. Oh, God. <laughs> I've, got, I've got, can I pitch my, my idea? Absolutely. Halfway through, when they do the I do, Penelope Falls says I I do, takes off a mask, and it's Eric Bischoff. <laughs> and she says, did I say, did I hear you say three minutes? And, <laughs> and then everyone goes, no, no one said three minutes. <laughs> and then AOP goes, it goes great, because it's not a three-minute warning with one of them, because I think they're both dead. Here comes AOP. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be one great way to debut. Well, we can't call him AOP. Authors of Pain. POA. Yeah. <laughs> P-O-A. <laughs> the dealers of assaulting. Yeah. All <laughs> um, all three things happen. But um, no one but I... no one knows where Penelope Ford is afterwards. No, no. She know the thing is she was never Penelope Ford. It was always uh, it was always Eric Bischoff. In a match, <laughs> I would have got away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling kids. Yeah, but he's I, trying to, trying to, he's trying to sub, uh, sublot fucking Daly's place because it's always like real, real estate related, and uh, that's it. That's that's all the the show was. Scooby Doo and the gang solves real estate crimes. Yeah, there's a I, lot of them. I, I like to think that uh, Manchester Pentacle during the Triple H playing the not if but how many times did we consummate the marriage. And then saying, you can find out if you hit me up on my MySpace page. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all, the just pic- say, all the pictures are there. Let's just say she's made it into my top eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, uh, yeah, so Kip Sabian then plugs his, uh, his Twitch. Him and Miro are like the team Twitch guys now, uh, apparently. And a little message at the bottom says um, that this message was approved by All Elite Wrestling. Ha ha, poke 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 at wwe uh we then go back to ringside for the mimosa mayhem match that goes 15 minutes and 15 seconds uh you can win the match by pinfall submission or fully submerging an opponent into a vat of mimosa which they had on both sides of the ring um it wouldn't have taken sherlock holmes uh to figure out how this match was going to end um they weren't going to go for a pinfall after filling up two gigantic pools of what looked like it didn't look like mimosa so much as it looked like Fanta and champagne. Mm-hmm. But uh, this match, I this was my match of the night just uh, just because of how like ridiculous it was and um, the fact that it was the best of their three matches in my opinion. Uh, Jericho really gave a lot to Orange Cassidy here. Orange Cassidy really held up his uh, end of the bargain, and uh, the shot of Orange Cat uh, Orange Cassidy hitting that second 
Orange Punch and Jericho flying into the Bat of Mimosa was fantastic. Uh, I feel bad for all the sticky wrestlers in the front row there that had to sit there for another half an hour, 45 minutes after the show, uh, until the show ended to get unstickified from all the fucking gross, like, half Jericho juice that just got all over them. Um, so, Nathan, what was your what was your opinion on the Mimosa match? I love how your problem there wasn't them getting covered in Mimosa. You were just getting covered in Jericho. Yeah, Jericho. Yeah, the juice of Jericho, man. Uh, Yeah, this match was, I guess, fine. It was kind of what I expected it to be, which is just kind of ridiculous. Again, the show was just so long that I kind of wish this was earlier in the card so there was more energy to it. Uh, I think it's great what Jericho has done for Orange Cassidy. Like, obviously, it depends where he goes from here and what stories they tell uh, with him because he's more of a character than he is a wrestler even though he's a perfectly good wrestler uh but i think it's great what jericho's kind of done for him jericho just every time i see him looks more and more like he's melting (laughs) (laughs) just as a human he's like he's just getting he's beginning to get to like rhino's level of wide (laughs) oh my god he is yeah he's so wide now like if you looked at 2002 jericho and 2020 jericho you'd be like that's not the same person. <laughs> uh, but, it, yeah, the match, the match is great. It, it was cool. It was a guy trying to throw another guy into an orange liquid. What's not to love? Uh, I thought it, was, it started off quick with Jericho straight away hitting a code breaker. And then it ended with a Superman punch. So, good times were had. But I wouldn't have drunk the mimosa, no. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Not the, at least not the one that Jericho ended up in, for sure. I don't uh, think either. I don't reckon there was booze in either of them. Yeah, but I, I want, I want to believe. I, I want know Tony Khan's rich, but is he really going to waste a load of, load of daddy's money on champagne so that you can throw Canadians into it? Nathan, it's still real to me. Damn it! Would you just, just let it go? No, I won't. Someone needs to drink it and prove it. There's, there's another, there was another that on the other side. What they probably did when the cameras went off is everybody just took a wee glass of it, a glass of it, and they handed it around Daly's place. There you go. That's probably what happened. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Scott, for, <laughs> thank you, Scott, for for uh, bringing back some civility and like right mindedness to this podcast. Thank you very much, Scott. Uh, continue with your with your like glowing review of this match. Hey. Talking about Jericho's appearance, I believe Paul once said that every time he sees Jericho with how long his hair is getting, he says that Jericho's slowly turning into Michael Hayes. <laughs> Which is something I can't unsee now that, now that he's mentioned that. Oh, God. Doot, doot, doot. Yeah. The thing is, I know a lot of people said that, oh, well, they've introduced the fact you can also win my pinfall or submission, so Jericho's going to win one of those ways, but he's gonna, still going to get thrown in, and that's going to be his comeuppance. But when you think about it, he's not really giving on that much help. He just, he just makes Cassidy look like a sore loser if he still throws Jericho into the vat afterwards. Uh, so I think like the purpose of this was to show that Cassidy could have longer like shoots and could be a potential like star for them. And that's what ended up happening by having him just go over, have him win the feud, win the rubber match, and just just win. And Jericho doesn't lose anything because he's he happened to get knocked into a vat. But yeah, he makes him look silly. But also. Even if he had got pinned, he wouldn't have lost anything. But but he didn't get pinned, he didn't get submitted, so 
it doesn't do anything to Jericho to lose this match. So booking wise, it was the right decision. And I did like that he still did that, that those Facebook Live things that he does that Saturday night special like a couple hours later, and his hair was still wet from uh, the mimosa. And I think he just washed his hair, but his hair was still wet. I'd find this match a lot more entertaining if it wasn't already after four in the morning. And I'd probably have to go back and rewatch this because I get why he was in the position it was. And then the the, like, the name the name of the match is probably not gay. It'd be taken that seriously. So they put it as a kind of a palate cleanser between the two big title matches. But again, it, it would help me be entertained if I wasn't already struggling to stay awake at that point. You should have had some mimosas. Perfectly yeah, I would, right. I would, I would bet all the ingredients had been shipped off to to Jacksonville in order for this match to happen. There was no bubbly or orange juice left on either coast uh, <laughs> because they were all in Jacksonville. Um, so yeah, I think we're all in agreement that this match was pretty awesome. Uh, it was fun. It was exactly what it needed to be. Um, and then the main event happened. Uh, John Moxley, MJF with Wardlow for the AEW World Championship. Moxley was banned from using the Paradigm Shift. This match goes 23 minutes and 40 seconds. Um, After having a few days to think about it, uh, really, I've come around on it. If, and only if, the fact uh, that Lance Archer is now in the mix here, if they continue that uh, and make it a triple threat with MJF, Moxley, and Archer, and then that's how MJF wins the match, or wins the belt, rather. Um, I watched this back in a vacuum sort of by itself, uh, the other day. And I liked it a lot better because even though it was only like close to midnight here, the show was on from like, fucking, they were doing like red carpet specials and shit from like five o'clock in the afternoon. So like, it was just a lot of wrestling by that point. Um, some of it was wrestled kind of like in an old school kind of way. Uh, MJF was bleeding like a lot. Um, there was a really cool shot of, uh, Moxley has him in like a sleeper hold and you could, he could like see the, the blood just sort of like bubbling up out of MJF's head. Um, really cool visuals and stuff. Uh, and then Wardlow tries to throw in the dynamite diamond ring. Uh, he misses. And while MJF is trying to pick it up to try and hit Moxley with it, Moxley hits the paradigm shift while the referee's back is turned one, two, three, John Moxley is still your AEW world champion. Um, Scott, what'd you think of the world title? Uh, AW World Championship match, the main event at All Out 2020. Uh, I didn't really mind it as much as I've seen other, pe- other people, because I seem to be able to be quite critical, but I didn't mind it as much. What uh, I did feel bad for the ring crew because you just you, they just managed to clean up all the mimosa that got spilled on it, and then this new fresh that they put on the canvas, and bloody MGF's bleeding all over it. And then, like, the involvement of the Dynamite Diamond Ring, I still don't know what the purpose of that bloody ring is. No one's ever explained what the purpose of that ring is. So, it's just another way for me to cheat to win matches, I assume, but I just don't see the purpose of it. Uh, it's not one of MGS. MGS match with Jungle Boy is probably better than this. But I would say it's one of his better matches, because I know he's not as good a wrestler as he has a character, but there are certain matches where he can show how good he is in-ring. I think this was one of them. Uh, Moxley using the paradigm shift despite it being banned, I don't think was the right idea because, well, one, I, I know he's not a traditional good guy, but he's just proven the heel right by proving that he couldn't beat him without the move that was explicitly he wasn't allowed to use. 
instead of just showing how more versatile he is, Moxley's decided, oh, fuck, I'm going to use the move anyway. And I think the fact that MGF has lost, has finally been pinned and has been hit with the move that was, it wasn't meant to be, that was maybe banned, it's going to make him even more insufferable and gay. He's going to use that to get another title shot. And I think he is going to win the title from John Moxley, probably at full gear. I do hope that they don't make Lance Archer look like a stock gap in between because there's there's no way they're putting the belt on him at this point. I just don't I just don't see it happening. And part of the reason I was annoyed about Archer winning is I think we said before it kind of choreographed what who was going to come out of the main event with the title. And with the exception of MJF and Darby Allen, Moxley's whole title range has just been Moxley versus a big guy, like Moxley versus Hager versus Brian Cage versus Brody Lee. And now versus Lance Archer, it's just been the same kind of type of match. And I think it's really hindered Moxley's title reign. Uh, I think there's a point I heard you guys talk about the fact that I think it was MJF that started kind of the, the brawling on the outside more than it was Moxley, even though he said, I won't let this match go on the outside. So made no sense. But I really thought MJF actually should have won this because if he remained undefeated as champion, it would have made him even more of a, a sniveling heel and it would have made a bigger moment when he eventually lost the belt and that it would have been his first ever like, official loss. Yeah, yeah, because he went uh, up until this match, he was never pinned or submitted. He had lost as part of a tag team, I think, at one point. Like, I think he was in like a three-man, ta- uh, six-man tag match or something and his team lost. But that was like really it. Uh, he had never been pinned or submitted. So that's... Uh, a kind of a bone of contention but to what you were saying scott like he w- he said earlier in the evening in the promo package even i think too uh where he was like i'm not gonna let this i'm not gonna let you play your game moxley i'm not gonna let this go to the outside literally a minute and a half into the match they're on the outside he's getting racked on the uh the the guardrail on the outside he's blading and it just it, it was just crazy um nathan what'd you think of the uh the main event here yeah, just as a quick point, I really find matches where it's like, oh, if you use this move, you lose. Really strange. Like, oh, it's, they always used to do it with Shawn Michaels, and I think they've done it with Randy Orton a couple of times because they've got moves that you can hit out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, like the switch your music in the RKO. Like, but when you're just like, well, you just can't use this double underhook DDT. It's like, really? Moxley is nothing else? Dude has no imagination? Like, just hit a normal DDT. <laughs> uh, or, I just find those matches weird. So, yeah, it was it was fine. There was like Moxie was obviously looking like the tough guy, which was good because although MGF talks big, he's not supposed to be this really tough guy. So Moxie was just completely beating the shit out of him when it came to like the brawling and everything like that. The finish was massively not the actual finish itself with Moxie cheating, but the fact that he was going to win was massively choreographed in the fact that, obviously, we've already said that Lance Archer won the Battle Royal uh, earlier in the night, so it was kind of a no contest for me at that point. I don't really find John Moxie's matches entertaining in kind of any major way, Which, but I didn't hate it. I probably sound a bit more negative now than I actually am on it. I've not rewatched it uh, or anything like that, but I think it's just that thing where I was like, well, MJF just should have won. Like, he should have cheated or anything like that. But I do think he should have won after a few days, kind of since watching the show. And then 
just continued as Scott said, continued being undefeated. You could have had Moxley kind of go even more insane than he already is because MJF cheated and stole his title. And then there probably is a way because of the size difference that you could do bad guy Lance Archer against bad guy MJF. Like I'm still Jake Roberts could sell the shit out of that match. Like if you just mm-hmm. gave him a microphone for a couple of minutes. But I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. It's kind of like this show. Police Academy <laughs> 2. <laughs> the, the, the promos between Jake Roberts and MJF could have been excellent. I, I agree with you there, Nathan. And it's a weird thing, like, there's a certain rules within wrestling, it's something you kind of have to accept at a point as a fan, but still quite annoying in that certain rules apply for, in some situations, like, there have been matches like this where another referee came out or the original referee saw the replay and then either continued the match or reversed it. And yet, like, there was nobody else that could have came out from the back and said, like, yeah, look, look at this replay. He used that move that he wasn't meant to be using. Like, I just, I just don't see why Mockley again had to use the paradigm shift because I think we, we've seen in the past that he has other moves he can do. And, like, he was using an armbar and he almost beat Brian Cage with it until Taz threw the tail and that like, he couldn't have tried to use the armbar to beat Moxley or to, to beat MJF or use some sort of other type of submission move. It just seemed very lazy, booking-wise. Also, I don't know what you guys think, but like Wardlow was kind of distracting the ref while, which allowed Moxley to use the power and shift. I've seen some people think they're, they're leading to a MJF-Wardlow feud. I oh, think they need God. to stay away from that from for a long time because yes. Wardlow is not ready to be on his own. Otherwise... Otherwise, he's going to be the bloody the Basin Ryan of bloody AEW. I think the other it's it's this weird thing that the all wrestling companies are guilty of it of booking a main event and going, "Wow, this is going to be awesome," but we don't want either guy to lose properly. And you just go, like, "Okay, so they didn't want to beat MJF clean. They needed to leave some kind of question to it. They also clearly didn't want to take the title off Moxley." She just sat there like, "Why book the match?" Mm-hmm. Like if you don't if you don't want to do it because they they must have chickened out of putting the title on MJF but they also didn't want MJF to lose properly so it kind of just leaves you with like well it was basically it was a non finish because like you've seen I've seen a lot of people suddenly change their mind and think Moxley was going to win based on the fact that MJF stood tall at the end of Dynamite the, the go home show and I think we need to move away from that idea of like, oh, this person looked strong at the, on the go-home show. They're definitely losing. Because, yeah, we're being conditioned to sign that through like WWE. But eventually, like we probably should have had here, the person who looks strong on the go-home should probably still win because that allows them to have a continuation of momentum and actually helps somebody look strong and actually helps the company build stars. Because if we don't do that and we have the person who looks strong at the end of the go-home uh, lose at the pay-per-view that's the same 50-50 booking that fans complain about and basically nothing will be different yeah, I yeah what, I... what you could have done is that, uh, something way more interesting you could have had like Wardlow distracting the referee Moxie looks like he's about to win and Lance Archer is the one that cost him the title hmm. interesting there you go. then like the final shot could have been Jake Roberts and MJF just stood next to each other with Wardlow and Lance Archer just somewhere in the crowd beating up a random guy. 
<laughs> I love that. That's his gimmick. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I. I was like really against it uh, for a little while there. Um, I hope that they do the triple threat uh, personally. And then that's how like it would be a sneaky sort of way for MJF to, you know, sneak away with the world title. It also sort of doesn't harm Archer or Moxley as much, depending on how that plays out. Uh, Last night on Dynamite, they also had a a segment where uh, MJF, uh, he fired his entire his entire like campaign staff, they're all gone. Uh, and then he has a standoff with Wardlow. Um, and so they, it does look like they are like really starting to plant the seeds of them breaking up as a team, but it's not going to, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen for a while. Uh, they also announced that the, um, the Moxley and Archer match will take place on the anniversary edition of dynamite. Uh, I believe it's the second week in October uh, while I stall to check Um, Archer doesn't even get a pay-per-view the 14th yeah the 14th is the uh uh is the the anniversary edition of dynamite and that's where the title match will take place according to uh their match uh their show last night um i'm like i said i'm hoping hoping beyond hope that um it ends up turning into a triple threat or something because it like i said it is the anniversary show and that could be uh, that could be a big night for um, not only Dynamite but um, all three of those guys if they decide to do that. Uh, also, um, the opening to Dynamite was incredible. Uh, if you guys haven't checked that out, please make sure to check that out as well with Jericho and Ma- uh, MJF. I just say uh, I just kinda, I do like the idea of the triple set that you guys did, and I actually think you can you don't need even if MJF wins, you don't need to do him Mo- MV Moxley again too quickly after that. And you could try and have someone to do in the main event and have that triple threat spin off and do like an Archer Moxley feud. And then and that they blame the other for costing the other the title and the fact that MJ was able to sneak out with the belt. And you can have them just basically trying to kill each other and add just a series of violent matches. Because like, like Archer's final match in Japan was that, that death match he had with Moxley at Wrestle Kingdom. So I like the idea of a Moxley Archer feud because. It'll be something for Moxley to do outside the title picture because honestly, he's become less and less interesting the longer his title ring goes on for. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird how that happens. It's almost like you you want to see the chase, but then they get what they're chasing, and like, I guess it's it's kind of basically what happened to Seth Rollins. But then you just like, but you are you're right happen, in the though. formulaic. It is the formulaic matches. Like we talk about Lance Archer, who's amazing. John Moxie, who's who's great. Even though I'm not a big fan of him, and it is just another Moxie brawling with a giant guy. Yeah, like uh, like I know like we, that's a thing we've been saying for ages. Like fans have been saying for years. Oh, this person was good when they were chasing it, but now they've got the belt. Like, oh yeah, it doesn't have to be this way. Just put them better once they've actually got it. But I know it's easy for me to say that sitting here in a podcast because I have no idea how better you would do it. So that's why I'm not working for a major wrestling company. That's why I'm bitching about it here in a podcast. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good podcast, though. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but it seemed like nowhere else. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Are like we M&M. all out of complaining? 
I mean, really, I mean, really, the Marks and Spencer podcast in here. There's bitching, and then there's rogue opinions bitching. <laughs> it's complaining about things we actually liked because they weren't better. <laughs> <laughs> Getting our feelings out in a constructive uh, and pretty pretty on point sort of way. That's the way we sort of do things here. Uh, no new members of the Big Time and Fucks Hall of Fame after this after this episode, but uh, I believe that may change soon, depending on what they do in the next couple of weeks. Gentlemen, it has been quite quite the episode. It has been quite the week. It has been quite a time spending time with you guys. Um, so let's do the plugs. Uh, Scott, tell the people, the new people, the old people, every per- person in between, tell them what you got going on here, there, and everywhere. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at ScottMcLeod1996. You can follow my other podcast, Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast, at SP Rambling. We've started a, a bonus show we're going to be doing uh, once a month called Making an Impact. That's basically just a monthly recap of everything that's been happening in Impact Wrestling. The first episode went up the same day this second part of this has been recorded, so it should be up now. And uh, if, you, if you stay tuned to uh, SP Rambling on Twitter, you'll see uh, a punishment podcast coming at some point in the next week or two, uh, a punishment for losing these two at uh, uh, SummerSlam. And basically, we're going to watch a list of matches and be nothing but positive about them. And we're, we can do that because we, we and Paul, are the most positive people in the entire world. Uh, <laughs> regards to Rogue Opinions, you can check out the Rogue Retrospect interview, my uh, episode just covering Armageddon 1999. Just went up for my friend David Campbell. It's over two hours. Uh, you can hear about his weird, irrational hatred of uh, Miss Kitty. And we make references to the film Armageddon as well. So that's a good thing. Uh, I got an idea for a future tournament. Uh, we've done tournaments in the past year. I got an idea for one coming up in the future. I don't know if you guys want me to wait till we're off air to talk about it. No, yeah, let's, you, you've teased it now. You've teased it now. No, yeah, you, no, 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 no. Let's, let's, leave, let's leave it out there. Let's let the people wonder what our next tournament's going to be, huh? huh? Uh, right. It's it's a tournament of police academy movies. <laughs> Come on, Nathan, <laughs> bury the lead every once in a while. I think there's only seven, so we can't. Oh, only do only seven. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> Nathan, what do you got? What do you got going on? Tell the people. Oh, I'm going to start a new series where I watch all the police academies. Uh, <laughs> But you can you can find me at Nathan Greenaway uh, on Twitter. Uh, otherwise, just keep keep up to date with Rogue Opinions at Rogue underscore Opinion. Got all the podcasts coming. We're happy to talk to some new people. And if you like what you've heard, then please uh, tweet at Ben underscore E B E R T uh, with your favorite quote from your favorite Police Academy movie, and he will buy you that Police Academy movie on iTunes. Can't imagine the shipping. Uh, <laughs> I don't even think iTunes still exists, does it? No, yeah, it's it's still there, I think. Um, oh, sweet. Yeah, I have to say, with uh, regards to how this podcast was recorded, how bad is your internet? Please let us know the quality of your internet <laughs> provider and send those comments to uh, at Rob from the Bronx and he will be happy to hear from you. Yeah, do, type in a Google BT speed test, print screen the speed of your internet and then send that picture to him. 
And uh, you can go ahead and follow me at Mr. Riot. That's M-R-R-I-0-T because Counter-Strike was a thing when I was a kid. And if you don't like that uh, little phrase at the end, please make sure to tweet me, let me know, and give me some ideas for a new thing to say as we sign these things off. Also, make sure to go check out nerdonetwork.com. Articles going up there all the time. Uh, from us and from other members of the Nerdo team, there is one up there right now about the, uh, the the Pro Wrestling Magic World Title match that is taking place in four days live on the GTS Wrestling Channel. That's Grimm's Toy Show Channel on YouTube, uh, where it will be MV Young, the Poly Cult King, taking on the Man of a Million Smiles, Smiley, uh, and it's going to be in an all-out chaos, three stages of Hell match. The first fall is submissions, second fall is false count anywhere, and third is last man standing. Um, I will be on hand, the God of Drivers Ever Cross will be on hand, and uh, we have commissioned the the fine gentlemen at GoPro Wrestling to make sure that that match gets brought to you in a timely and orderly fashion. So that is September 14th, over on the GTS channel, make sure to go check that out. Also, on the Twitter, at Wrestling Magic, for all your pro wrestling magic needs, Nerdopotamus uh, over there on the Twitter as well. Big things happening over here. Big things happening over there. And uh, since we're out of big things, I just got to say, fuck off, ladies and gentlemen. Bye. Bye. Fucking stuck pants. Now, what's the best friends? <laughs>